At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, good day, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to Line Drive Radio. Season preview and prediction edition of LDR. Two days before opening day here in Major League Baseball. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York. And it's time to bring on my LDR teammate from the great city of Chicago, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab! What's going down in Chi Town? How are you, buddy? Oh man, well, uh, it sounds like we can fully anticipate a uh, standard forty-five degree pouring rain opening day <laughs> at Wrigley Field on Thursday, uh, and uh, the White Sox will look forward to starting their season with what's left of their pitching staff. So you know, more of the usual uh, Chicago baseball talk but uh it, look if it's raining if the sun's out if it's 40 if it's 70 it's just good to have baseball back on the diamond i'm glad that we can get season two of line drive radio uh moving into regular season mode uh t- not talking about you know who's gonna sign where anymore unless you're michael conforto and you're still you know sitting out there on LinkedIn, hoping for somebody to throw you a bone. Um, <laughs> we're, we're ready to talk regular season, and we've had a lot of massive player movement, some seismic changes to each division's landscape. We've got more stuff popping, you know, two and three days before the season officially kicks off on Thursday, April 7th. So um, th- this could be one of the more fascinating regular seasons in a long time for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, with pitchers theoretically coming back to full season strength after last year being a, a little bit of a short change because they were coming off of the COVID season. And then the biggest free agent trade spending frenzy we've seen maybe ever um, with some massive names uh, like Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa changing homes. Uh, it's it's going to be a really fun season. And I'm Paul, I'm thrilled that uh, we're ready to, you know, put the ball on the rubber and let somebody go out there, pick it up, and start throwing in games that actually count for something. Yes, brother. No doubt about it. I'm here for it. I'm excited about it as well, too. Uh, Lots of money going to be on the field this year and lots of people in the stands paying a lot of money, too, in addition to uh, uh, the exorbitant uh, prices for beer and food and all that other stuff and parking and everything else and then the uh, 
inflation that's going on around here in North America. But it is the uh, 75th uh, anniversary of the uh, Jackie Robbins MLB debut on April 15th, 1947, uh, which broke the color barrier. So uh, MLB will be celebrating that uh, all season long. Uh, and it all starts here on opening day on Thursday with the Yanks and the, uh, the Red Sox kicking things off at 1 to 5 Eastern time. And, hey, Paul, uh, that game's not sold out yet. What the hell? It's expensive, man. I, it's I, cold. I, I appreciate that it's, it's cold expensive and expensive. And it's cold. <laughs> but it's opening day and it's Yankees Red Sox. Yeah, but it's it's I don't know. I, I, I have to kind of ask I mean, a weekday, one o'clock in New York is tough, man. I don't know. I, I can't explain it, man. I don't have is the it, answers. Is everyone taking their hangover holiday today because of the NCAA title maybe, game last night? Maybe. I don't know. Is that it? I have no idea. Well, maybe just let's be honest with you. Time the cash flow is tough these days, man. It's it's I I that there's no true. doubt it plays a factor in things these days. And you know, me and you are both hockey guys too. You know, I've been to a few more hockey games this year. You're taking my little guy. He's he's really into the Islanders here now, and which is uh, heartbreaking on his Ranger fan dad here. But to, to go see the Isles up here, you know, I'm lucky 20 minutes away, brand new stadium. But, you know, it, it gets expensive. It's 30 bucks for parking. It's, you know, between the tickets and, and if you're going to get some food and some drinks and stuff, you two, it's a 200 Just for two of us, it's about two $300, depending on how much you yeah. go with everything, you know. So, um, you know, and baseball stadiums are, are, are different, right, Tab, all across the country yep. in terms of access, uh, what it costs to get there. And every state, uh, economically is going to be different too. So I, look, I I think uh, all across the board tab, and we'll see here on Thursday, and we'll just run down really uh, the quick opening games here on Thursday. We'll see how things play out across, and we'll see. You know, I'm sure the the weekend games will will probably rock out. You know, and I just think it's probably just more than anything. It's just it's a Thursday. It's cold and it's a little tight for everybody this weekend, but especially on Thursday, yeah. I should say. Yeah, and you know what? And I do think, as much as we want to say that there isn't. I do think that in some of your bigger markets that weren't as aggressive with their spending in the offseason, I do think that there's a little bit of fatigue going on from the lockout. I, I, I really do. I think, yeah. um, you know, some fans are just, you know, not here for uh, the millionaires and billionaires fighting over money, as people like to say, even though, as we've talked about a lot. It isn't about billionaires and millionaires. It's about guys that aren't making a ton of money, wanting a fair crack at it. Um, but I mean, look, the Red Sox went out and got Trevor Story, and we're gonna we're gonna spend some time today on Line Drive Radio going through each division, every team, kind of talking through what what it looks like, who who the big name is gonna be for each team, who's important, uh, what we're looking at, and then maybe break down what we think the divisions look like and give you some some big, bold predictions for you to throw back in our face um, at the end of the year. Uh, but I think, you know, all Boston really did was bring in Trevor Story, and it was kind of towards the tail end of the free agency period. And for the Yankees, they didn't really sign anybody significant. I mean, they made the deal for Josh Donaldson, which got rid of Gary Sanchez, so I guess that's a double win, right? But unless, of course, you're going to go with Gio Urshela was loved in the clubhouse and Josh Donaldson literally tried to fight opening day starter Garrett Cole last year. Uh, but, you know, neither one of those teams went big in the offseason, which, again, when you talk about the competitive balance tax and things like that, 
you know, there, there's a little bit of a, you know, they were more muted in the offseason, whereas the Seattle Mariners are already sold out, and their opening day isn't until the end of the first full week of the regular season. They're going to go eight or nine days into the season before they go home, and it's SRO for the Mariners' opening day because they got a young team that's got a lot of exciting pieces in it, So, and there's a lot of buzz. So, you know, I, th- I think that there's a little bit of fatigue from the lockout, and I think the amount that the teams were active and the amount that they chose to play in, uh, in the market this winter is going to play a big role in how many people want to show up. And then there, there are going to be markets where people are going to show up anyway. Uh, you know, the Cubs are playing the Brewers, uh, and we'll run through the schedule here in a second, but I think Wrigley is going to always sell out, whether it's raining or, or cold. Um, Atlanta is going to raise a banner. You know, they'll sell out. St. Louis, one of the great, you know, sports fandoms, whether you like them or hate them, they're passionate and they show out. Um, you know, it is interesting, though, this year that Cincinnati, the oldest team in Major League Baseball, is not opening the season at home. They're in Atlanta uh, on Thursday night. Uh, usually Cincinnati gets a homer to start the year because they are the oldest team. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see what the crowds look like, what the weather looks like, and how the teams perform because we've already got some injury issues uh, that have led to at least one opening day having an undecided still listed in one of the pitching matchups, uh, and we're only two days before that pitch is going to be thrown. All right, well, let's let's start right here. Let's just run real quick through the the nine games that are going to start here on Thursday, okay? And like Tab said, we're gonna we're gonna run through the whole all the divisions here across the league as far as key players and best players. And then we're gonna do our uh, MVP predictions, Cy Youngs, and uh, we'll, me and Tab will throw our predictions here at the end of the show as well too, as far as who's going to the dance and coming out of the playoffs and all this stuff. So, we talk about the Yanks uh, and Sox. It's it's the classic uh, old rivalry game, 1 o'clock in the Bronx. Should be a lot of fun. So, Tab, I'm going to run down these other games here, and, and you bounce in when you want to as far as some of the storylines are going here. Buck Walter and all Cohen's money are taking on the Nats here uh, in Washington at 4.05. And if that's a team that needs fans to show out to the games all year uh, to pay some of these guys back, it's going to be the Mets. Um, our Guardians, the brand-new Guardians, take the field for the first time in Kansas City. On the road, so that'll be a lot of fun, too, in terms of what those guys do this year, and, and we're going to have a lot of fun probably with seeing how those guys look. I mean, I don't know how much we really want to play on on what the Guardians, uh, you know, with their name change and everything else, and I saw that you post that thing. It looked like they uh, at the uh, training camp or something. They just took out the I-N, and they put in yeah, the they, G-U-R. They, of, they left the I-A-N-S <laughs> at the end of Indians, and then different color uh, message, uh, different color letters on the board, the official, like, signage outside of the spring training complex they just put guard what is that all about it's a different font and it's a different color it's like come on it's such a bad look man they don't care they just don't care i mean maybe uh maybe the owner is trying to make them bad so that she can sell the team (laughs) and they just need a cardboard cutout in the clubhouse and then an old crusty manager explaining what a winning streak is um, is that going to be Ted Lasso season three? He's actually going to be, be managing the Guardians. <laughs> it might be. I mean, look, they're talk. It sounds like they're trying to get an extension done with Jose Ramirez. God bless him if he wants to stay in Cleveland, but he's been so underpaid for so long. He's a top five player in the game, um, and their pitching staff will be there. I mean, look, Shane Bieber's back. Um, 
it, that's going to, you know, Cleveland, Kansas city is going to be a really interesting couple teams this year. Um, not to totally overwhelm the opening day slate with two teams that we don't expect to be playoff teams this year from the AL central, but Kansas city's role is that cranky out there. Like 35 years after he won the Cy Young award <laughs> for the Royals. Um, so, uh, so that'll be fun to watch. Kansas City has a; they've got pitching for days, and the fact that Bobby Witt Jr. has reportedly made their opening day roster should give Kansas City fans a lot of excitement because he's the future. He's legit. He's consensus either one, two, or three overall prospects in baseball. So there's going to be a stud in the lineup for the Royals. The Guardians are kind of in this in-between where the pitching will play. Ramirez is solid. Franmil Reyes is one of the biggest human beings you've ever seen in a batter's box. But the rest of their lineup, you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and in that division, it, it, that division fascinates me because the White Sox should just run away and hide like they did last year. But now Lance Lynn is going to miss a couple months because of a knee issue. Um, Garrett Crochet, one of their 102-mile-an-hour flamethrowers out of the bullpen, is having Tommy John. They traded Craig, Craig Kimbrell over to be the closer for the Doyers, uh, as our buddy Dennis Bernstein would say. <laughs> and so, I mean, look, they're, they're, the, Sox, the Sox are going to win that division I'm, unless they have more injuries. Last year they won the division without Eloy Jimenez for two-thirds of the year, without Luis Robert for half the year. They've got probably a top five lineup, top to bottom in the American League, if not all of baseball. The addition of A.J. Pollock in the deal for Craig Kimbrell is brilliant. They've got an everyday right fielder now, so they don't have to screw around with a couple first basemen playing right and or left if they want to D.H. Eloy Jimenez. Um, so, you know, there are lots of, you know, moving pieces in that division and we're going to talk a little bit when we break it down about some of the stuff that Detroit has done, because I think they're a dark horse for a playoff spot. But Cleveland, Kansas City on opening day, Bieber against Granke. Um, you know, you've got a lineup that's got some question marks and then Kansas City's got some buzz because Bobby Witt's going to be there. Uh, that is actually a game that uh, there are two games on the slate that really excite me. Uh, one of them is that the other is the Seattle Mariners at Minnesota. Joe Ryan, who pitched in the Olympics last year and then made his big league debut later in the year, gets the opening day nod for the Twins. Who the all-new Minnesota Twins, yes. I mean, they, they overhauled their roster, but you're kind of like, what the hell are we doing here? And Robbie Ray, your defending Cy Young winner, leaves Toronto for Seattle. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who is, for those of you who haven't read about him or been blessed to see him play, this is a kid that, from a freakish athletic ability component we're talking on par with like Tatis and Acuna and Seattle has like 12 outfielders I had a fantasy draft last night we were laughing like who exactly is going to play every day in their outfield because Kyle Lewis is banged up but he's supposed to be back maybe a, a few weeks into the season he was he was the rookie of the year in 2020 in front of Luis Robert uh Mitch Hanniger had a huge year last year uh, they go out and they make the trade with Cincinnati to bring in Jesse Winker, who could probably hit 30, 35 bombs for them this year. They've got Rodriguez. They've got and Jared Kelenic, who was a top 10 prospect in baseball before last year, who struggled when he got the initial call up, went down, got himself right, and he looked pretty good down the stretch. So they've got like six or seven guys to fight over outfield time. But Julio Rodriguez has the look of a generational talent. 
Um, and so the fact that he made the opening day roster, even with their crowded outfield situation, um, is encouraging. And I think that that kind of plays into a little bit of what we were hoping to see as fans from this collective bargaining agreement when one of the things that they included in there was whether you sit a guy in the minors for 10 days to get the extra year of service time or you bring him up for opening day, if you finish top two in the rookie of the year voting, you're going to burn a year of service time. And so now if you've got, if you're Detroit with Spencer Torkelson, if you're Seattle with Julio Rodriguez, if you're Kansas City with Bobby Witt Jr., you say, you know what? We believe that we've got the best rookie in the American League. Screw it. We're going to put ourselves in a position to win right away. We're going to have his bat there for 162 and not wait 10 days just for the BS of having an extra year of service time. Because if he's going to finish top two for rookie of the year anyway, we're going to burn a year anyway. So why not have the full complement of games in the best position to succeed instead of wasting a couple weeks. And that, that if that if if these guys are getting called up because of that, we already have a win from the collective bargaining agreement because I love seeing these young guys on opening day rosters. I hated rookies of the year waiting two weeks to show up. And with Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners and Bobby Wood Jr. with the Royals, you'll see two of those incredibly talented potential rookie of the year candidates making their debut on Thursday, April 7th, which is awesome. And it's great for the local riders there, Ted. They got something to write about. And then, uh, you know, the boring monotony of uh, waiting to see what happens, yeah. right? So that's good stuff. Um, it's, it's, and it's, it's always an exciting time this year for Pirates and Diamondback fans, Ted, because yeah. uh, they're on the same level with the rest of the league right now, uh, undefeated. The Pirates will... Uh, um, tied for first. Yes. <laughs> so it's good. They're on the road. First, the Cardinals. Yeah, three hours to be tied for first, Pittsburgh. <laughs> And the D-backs will host the Padres. I mean, can we pretty much assume, I mean, there's obviously you look out for a couple of young kids to come in there and shake things up like we were just talking about with the Twins and stuff like that. But uh, uh, you expect any surprises from either the Pirates or the Diamondbacks this year? I mean, they... The Diamondbacks, the, well, look, the Diamondbacks are starting to have their youth movement. Um, they've got some interesting young guys. One of my favorite prospects that I've ever talked to, Geraldo Perdomo, uh, Geraldo Perdomo should get some run most of the time at shortstop for the Diamondbacks. He's special. Um, Dalton Varsho is going to get some run. So I think Arizona's got some young guys coming. That division is too top-heavy. They're not going to compete. Pittsburgh, I don't think, is going to surprise anybody. Um, opening day starter, JT Brubecker, uh, who sounds like he uh, was selling uh, Oldsmobiles uh, to our parents <laughs> in the 50s. <laughs> Uh, but JT Brubaker uh, will start against Adam Wainwright, who might have bought a car from him in the 50s. Uh, <laughs> the ancient warrior. Uh, you know, and you know, as somebody that, again, we I brought up the Cardinals a little bit. This is going to be the swan song year for probably Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And Albert Pujols is back in St. Louis, which is great. Um, again, but something this whole, for the riders like, to ride lap narrative is going to just be nauseating by, like, the 1st of May. Like, we're going to get so much Cardinals BS from ESPN and MLB Network about, oh, Wainwright and Molina for the 9,000th time. Maybe he'll throw Uncle Charlie. Uh, and, you know, the problem that I have is, as a guy that grew up rooting for Chicago teams, which means whether it's hockey or baseball, you hate St. Louis, um, you really can't hate Wainwright or Pujols or Molina. Like, off the field, they're pretty good dudes. So... Um, you know, when when your class acts away from the diamond, 
you know, and you look at what these guys do in the community, it's really hard to extend a middle finger with a lot of earnest, but we still do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long year for Pittsburgh. I said, everything I said about young guys like Torkelson and Rodriguez and Wick getting called up Pittsburgh's superstar prospect, O'Neill Cruz got demoted. So even Pittsburgh's like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and uh, pray for that extra year of service time because that gives us another full year to trade him before he gets paid. Unbelievable. At least the Pirates are using all their real letters on their clubhouses still. Uh, all right, final, rounding out the last three games here on the schedule. Um, the uh, the Astros, will they finally get through a season without the trash can bags this year as they uh, take on the Angels and uh, Shohei? What do you think about Man, that? Man, I, I mean, look, they've got a young kid trying to replace Correa at shortstop in Houston. Looks like Verlander's coming back. We'll see what, you know, a guy nearing his 40th birthday looks like post-Tommy John. But Houston's still a good team. Uh, and the Angels, look, Shohei was mind-numbing last year. He did things that we'd never seen before. And if you listen to Season 1 of Line Drive Radio, we were pumping his tires the whole year. Ran out of air. Six days, six days a week, the dude was special. He was game-changing on a team that wasn't doing crap around him. If Mike Trout is fully healthy this year, mm -hmm. it's not like he's suddenly not one of the five best players in baseball. If Anthony Rendon is fully healthy, it's not like he is suddenly not one of the three best third basemen in baseball. And they've got some young guys, Walsh, Marsh, uh, Adele, you know, filling out that lineup. That Angels team it could be interesting and, you know, you just wonder if their pitching is going to be deep enough. They brought in Syndergaard. Um, you know, we'll see if Thor can hold up for a full season coming back from injury. Uh, Reed Detmers, their first-round pick in 2020, looks like he's going to be at the back end of their rotation to start the season as well. If they get any pitching, I mean, if they're healthy, those bats will play. Um, they're going to score a lot of runs. Uh, you just wonder if their pitching is going to hold up its end of the bargain. But for Houston to go into Los Angeles of Anaheim <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and start the season will be an interesting divisional game to watch. I think that's probably the best divisional game on the slate other than Red Sox-Yankees. And I say that with all due respect to reigning National League Cy Young winner Corbin Burns going to Wrigley uh, probably on Friday because of the weather. Uh, and whomever replaces DeGrom slash Scherzer as the opening day starter. Maybe Showalter goes with a bullpen day to start the season. That would be the most Mets thing ever. <laughs> You've got two, two of the best pitchers on the planet making $800 million, and you go bullpen day on day one of the year. Um, that's the undecided, folks, if you haven't figured oh, it out. Oh, the Metsies, baby. going to miss a couple months. Max Scherzer's got a little bit of a toitness in the hammy. Uh, so they're going to go into Washington and face Juan Soto with undecided taking the ball on opening day. Uh, but I, the game, I think Boston, New York, always headline grabbing. They start that one an hour before everybody else because you want to see what Garrett Cole's got. You want to see what Nathan Navaldi's got. You want to see what these two behemoth lineups have to offer. But if you can stay up late at night, that 9.40 p.m. Eastern start, uh, Houston at the Angels is worth staying up because – uh, I think those two teams are going to have some knockdown, drag-out games this year in a division that, again, I already pumped the tires on Seattle. They're going to be better. I don't know what – I mean, Oakland looks like they want to go ahead and dance with the Pirates this year for first overall pick, but 
uh, Houston, the Angels, and Seattle look like they're, they mean business. Let's see. It all gets started on Thursday. So round out the last couple of games there on Thursday night. Obviously, uh, my favorite Brewers playing your favorite Cubs and the World Series champions, ladies and gentlemen, the Atlanta Braves. That's right. The Atlanta Braves, your World Series defending champions, will take on uh, the Reds. They hosted, I guess, um, what do they do? Do they hoist the banner like they do in hockey there? What do they do? They'll, they'll, they'll put, I mean, it won't be like hockey uh, because hockey is it's the a flag, greatest right? They raise the flag, don't they? Just, They'll, they'll, they'll put a flag up. Uh, you know, some teams will give the guys their rings on the field before the game. Um, you know, and, and look, Freddie Freeman's gone. We're going to dig in a little bit on Atlanta when we go team by team here in a second. But uh, Cincinnati is burning it down again. And I kind of feel for Joey Votto because the dude has been one of the all-time great Cincinnati Reds. Uh, you might argue based on the, the bulk, the gross body of work that he's put in. He might be the most important Cincinnati Red since the big red machine. Um, and they've got nothing around him this year. Um, but I'm excited to see Hunter Green break into the rotation. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how Cincinnati looks this year. The, cent- the National League Central is going to be a tire fire, uh, with the exceptions of St. Louis and Milwaukee, but Atlanta will put on a good show, and that, that's the opening night national broadcast on ESPN2, the Deuce, uh, with Tyler Maley starting against Max Freed. So they'll probably, you know, I think they're doing the same thing this year, Paul, where the defending champs on opening night have the jerseys with the gold numbers uh, and the World Series patch on the sleeve. Uh, so we'll see if that's something that they're still doing. But uh, but that Atlanta team is legit and for real, and that division's loaded top to bottom. So they're going to have to get off to a good start. Absolutely not. So it all starts here on Thursday. The long season begins, and the warm weather will roll in. And uh, like Tab brought up early, we'll, we'll keep an eye out and see uh, how the fannies start coming in and out of the seats. So uh, it's here, baby. And Line Drive Radio is here for it all the way. All right, Tab, let's get the meat of the battle, the ball, and get into uh, our main, main subject here today as we kick off our... Uh, LDR MLB preseason prediction show here. And we're going to run through uh, every team here in every division. And Tam's going to run through the focus here, which will be the key players on each team and, and, and what kind of a difference or impact they're going to make as far as getting their team any kind of success around the bases, on the mound, behind the plate, and on the field. So you want to start here in the National League East. And we'll start with the Atlanta Braves, the champions that we were just talking about. Take it away, Tab. What do you got yeah, for us? I, look, I know that a lot of people love media with an East Coast bias. Um, but I think regionally we'll, we'll set this thing up or we'll go East to West. Uh, and it just makes the most sense to start talking about the new year with the team that ended with the W in the final game of last year. And that's in Atlanta. I mean, look, uh, Jorge Soler, World Series MVP gone. Freddie Freeman, iconic player, number will be retired, uh, gone. Um, they've got some injuries that they're starting to get a little scared about down there. Kenley Jansen looks like he's going to be their closer, no longer with the Dodgers, kind of crazy. Um, but if you understand him being from Curacao and his, the relationship that he had growing up with Andrew Jones and what Andrew Jones means to every uh, player that's really come out of Curacao in the last 20 years, you know, it's kind of a cool thing that he's in Atlanta now. We'll see what he's got left in the tank. Um, 
They were able to bring back Rosario, the NLCS MVP, to play left. Uh, Austin Riley still looks like he's got another gear going forward. Um, we probably would have been talking about an emerging player for them being Christian Pache in center field, who Andrew Jones told me a few years back he thought was defensively better than him, arguably the best defensive center fielder since Willie Mays. Um, but he, uh, Christian Pache is now an Oakland athletic. He was part of the big trade that brought Matt Olson to Atlanta to replace Freddie Freeman. Matt Olson uh, is a Georgia native. He, he, you probably heard it a billion times by now. He grew up like 25 minutes from the ballpark, mm -hmm. um, the new ballpark, and not the three ballparks that they've had since he was born. <laughs> um, he is a, he is an absolute superstar. If you don't know Matt Olson and what he brings to the table, it's because he played in Oakland and you never hear or see about him. He's one of the best defensive first basemen in the game. He's going to hit a lot of jacks. The average won't be what Freeman's was, but not many do. Freddie Freeman is the elite, the 1A first baseman in baseball. But Matt Olson's in the conversation for that number two. He really is. Replacing Freddie Freeman will not be easy. Replacing a franchise icon is never easy. But Matt Olson's going to be a damn good one. Uh, before they even introduced him after the trade, they introduced him with an eight-year contract extension, something that he was probably never going to get in Oakland. Uh, so good for him for getting the bag. But uh, but Matt Olson's the guy that I'm circling as a key player for Atlanta because coming home is always hard. We've talked about that in a lot of sports. You know How you play in front of your hometown audience can be tough. The fact that he's doing it after getting his feet wet and being a, a star player in the big leagues will probably make it a little bit easier for him. But this is a guy, big left-handed bat, who Atlanta fans will probably come to love. If he does what he did in Oakland, Atlanta fans will love him. So I'm circling Matt Olson as the key guy uh, for your defending National League champion Atlanta Braves. And let's keep in mind here, Soler's gone, uh, Freeman's gone. It might not be for opening day, but coming soon to a theater near you, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be back in that lineup this year. And we cannot underestimate how, how gifted that young man is. And so having him for a full season, even if he's got to spend a little time as a DH because of the legs, um, I think they'll be okay. They've got Duvall out there hitting maybe 30 jacks in the outfield with Rosario. They'll be okay if he doesn't play right field every day because they got the DH in the NL now. Uh, but him coming back is a game changer for that lineup. And Matt Olson is going to be a, a really nice uh, piece that they've added to the middle of the lineup in Atlanta. Absolutely like it all. All right, let's uh... – Let's head on over to the land of Shea. No, it's not Shea anymore. It's the land of City Field, buddy. And uh, the New York, right. the New York Mets. Let's fire it up here. Is that the theme song from the Gong Show? Because we go, buddy. It's been <laughs> so far. Uh. Buck Showalter's Mets, baby. The Metsies. Here we go. Keep playing, man. Yeah. So we've got. Uh, so we've got Buck Showalter. Uh, they go old school with the manager, uh, which I'm more on board with Showalter going in there than I was with LaRusa going to the White Sox last year. Um, they spent more money than anybody. I mean, there's a tier in the new collective bargaining agreement for the luxury tax that is called the Cohen tax. They added a fourth tier because some owners, which is crazy, Paul, to say that an owner in New York and not be referencing the Steinbrenner family Mm -hmm. Has no problem in the smoke them if you got them territory, throwing money around. But 
The Mets went out and got Scherzer. They got Starling Marte, who is a freak athlete to play. I believe they're going to start with him in right field and keep Nimmo in center. Um, they went out and got Eduardo Escobar to play third base, which is a massive offensive upgrade there as well. Um, their bullpen's pretty deep. Their rotation, it, it sounded like they were going to flip a deal uh, with the Padres to try and bring in an arm because the key player for me is going to start the season on the shelf, but that fell apart. So now they got to deal with hurt feelings with Dom Smith, who theoretically is going to be in the lineup most days, either as a DH or left fielder. Um, they probably still need some pitching because Max Scherzer is dealing with a tight hammy, and they found that out the day after we found out that Jacob deGrom is not going to touch a baseball for four weeks. He's got a little soreness in the shoulder. And if you listen to Line Drive Radio last year, you'll know. If you paid attention to the Mets last year, you're probably in a 12-step program. We're sorry. <laughs> but when Jacob deGrom left the rotation in mid-July, that's when the wheels fell off for the Mets. He is the best pitcher on the planet. With all due respect to his teammate Max Scherzer, with all due respect to the guys that won the Cy Young Award last year, with all due respect to Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom is the most dominant pitcher on the planet right now. And last year he was doing things that we haven't seen since the turn of the century with Pedro. And so him being healthy is the massive asterisk on everything for the Mets. And they are undecided for opening day because Jacob deGrom probably won't rejoin the rotation until maybe mid-May at the best because you figure he's got to ramp himself up and get the pitch count up before he can jump back in. So key player for me with Mets is Jacob deGrom. What the hell does his health look like? And are they going to have to make a, a move or two here to bolster their rotation, knowing that deGrom is six to seven weeks from joining the team in the regular season, and then you don't want to push him too hard when he comes back. So uh, so it, uh, the Mets are going to be uh, – their, their offense is stacked. Their pitching staff is good when healthy. That's the big when asterisk. But DeGrom needs to have his stuff together. Uh, he needs to be healthy because he's dominant. And he will take the Mets as far as he can go. I will say this, though. Uh, look for a big bounce-back season from Frankie Lindor. Uh, I think he is, he is still an elite player, and last year did not go the way he or the Mets wanted. And knowing uh, from having interviewed him and watched him play, and talk to people about him. He's way too proud of a guy to have another down year, especially with all the money coming that, that he's getting from Mr. Cohen. So look for a big bounce back year from Francisco Lindor, but they need DeGrom more than anything else. And so we'll, we'll keep an eye on DeGrom this year and see how soon he can get back and how many innings he can actually give him. Yeah, you know, and you, you have to wonder sometimes. I guess I, the, only way, the only positive way you can look at this for the Mets is that it's, it's, it's at the beginning of the year. So, you know, when DeGrom comes back, hopefully they just got to stay in the mix here. How how tough that's going to be with Atlanta. And the next team that uh, we're going to talk about now is the Philadelphia Phillies and all the moves that they made, um, you know, as far as, you know, you know the rest of the uh, the National League in terms of things, how they're going to line up with the, you know, the expansion of the, uh, the playoff system, the wild cards and everything else. But, you know, I, we could spend a whole show on the New York Mets and we're just not going to do it. So until... Uh, the, the things kind of pan out here in these next couple of months for the Mets and see how they handle this, uh, we'll, we'll swing back to it. Uh, so let's go to the Phillies. I love the Phillies this year. Um, we'll talk about it later on. we got predictions and so on and so forth. But uh, key player for the Phillies. Take it away, Ted. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they brought in Castellanos and Schwarber 
So now you're looking at an offense that has the reigning MVP and Bryce Harper in there. JT Romuto is going to be healthy the whole year. Big bump for him. Um, that offense is going to be as good as any in the National League. Um, you've got Zach Wheeler, who was in the conversation for the Cy Young last year at the top of the rotation. Um, their bullpen, interesting. Uh, I'll use the word interesting right now. I do think that there's some dust that needs to settle with their bullpen at large. But um, the key player for me in Philadelphia is Aaron Nola. Uh, and I'm sure Phillies fans will just kind of nod their head and say, again. But this is a guy that was supposed to be their alpha. This was supposed to be their 1A. Um, he still has that stuff. Every once in a while, he shows you that stuff, and every once in a while, he craps the bed. Um, so they, they need Aaron Nola to find it out and consistently be that guy. Because if he can join Wheeler in that 1A, 1B conversation, the Phillies are going to be a juggernaut. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But Aaron Nola needs to take that step that we've been waiting for for three or four years. And I think now is the time with the offense that they have that I don't think he has to be as concerned about winning a game two to one. I think he can go out there and throw strikes. And if they give up a run or two and look, I don't know who they're going to DH between Schwarber and Castellanos every day. I'm guessing one of them will probably be the DH more times than not. Um, but I think he can go out there and throw strikes and confidently know that even though the defense might not be the best in major league baseball behind him, um, the bats supporting him are going to give him runs. And if he can give him six innings and he can hold the opponent to two or three, he's got a chance to win. And it's a lot easier to pitch with confidence that the bats are going to carry you than it is trying to trying to miss bats with every pitch um, because you feel like you got to keep your team there because they're not going to score a ton. And so, you know, again, Real Muto not starting the year with a dinged up uh, hand like he did last year is big. He's a great offensive catcher. And the fact that they added Schwarber and Castellanos is huge. So uh, beware the Phillies, but they need Nola to take that next step. And if he can do that, good luck. Absolutely. Great points there. All right, I'll round out the bottom of the uh, division here is the Miami Marlins. Still getting used to calling them the Miami Marlins. And the Washington Nationals. Take it away. Key players for both of these teams that, I don't know, should they be given any sort of respect here to cause any kind of trouble to the top three teams in the division? Uh I think the Marlins, yes. And I say that because their young pitching is filthy uh, and they've got a ton of it. I like the addition of Jorge Soler. Um, I, it sounds like Derek Jeter left because maybe he wanted Castellanos and the ownership group didn't want to spend that kind of money. Soler's a pretty good fallback. He was the World Series MVP. The key player for me in Miami, though, it, it's not one of their young stud pitchers. It's not Jazz Chisholm doing it again. Um, for me, it's a guy named Jacob Stallings. And Jacob Stallings, uh, God bless him, he got out of Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, he is, you don't talk about him a lot because he was in Pittsburgh, but he is a really, really good tactician behind the plate. Uh, lots of people you talk to in baseball rave about how Jacob Stallings handles a pitching staff, uh, how he calls a game, uh, how he controls the running game for opponents. And, and so for me, a new catcher coming in with a young pitching staff, if he can do in Miami what he showed the ability to do in Pittsburgh, he's going to be an absolute haul for them, uh, getting him out of Pittsburgh. So Jacob Stallings, maybe the bat isn't something that you're going to consider on your fantasy squad this year, but I think he is going to be a guy that makes a huge impact on Miami this year because he's so good defensively. 
uh, and working with pitchers and with that young pitching staff, if he can work with them and help them, it's huge. With Washington, the key player is obvious. It's Juan Soto. He's the best hitter on the planet. The question is, how much can he do? Last year, nobody threw him pitches. They avoided him like Barry Bonds uh, or marrying a Kardashian, um, <laughs> which uh, you know apparently people are still doing. Uh, good luck, Travis Barker. But um, but Nelson Cruz signed with Washington, so now you've got somebody that people actually have to be afraid of hitting behind Juan Soto. Uh, behind that, I, I don't know. But Juan Soto is the best hitter on the planet. He's worth the price of admission every single day, even if he walks four times. Um, so the question is, how much can he carry the mail for them? Uh, I think he's still worthy of MVP conversation. We'll talk about that later. Um, how many, I mean, he might, he might challenge Bond's numbers for on-base percentage and walks this year. He might. Because they might say Nelson Cruz at 57 years old is going to be the guy that has to beat us. Um, and you know what? Nelson Cruz has shown us over the last few years that he might just do that. Um, but with Strasburg still coming back from an injury, Scherzer now fully gone and in the division still. Um, the Nationals just have a lot of holes. Trey Turner gone. Um, you know, they've got a lot of holes. Kybert Ruiz is going to be a really nice young catcher that they got in that Turner-Scherzer deal from the, the Dodgers. But if you're talking about the Washington Nationals right now and theoretically for the foreseeable future – their key player is going to be Juan Soto because he's the best hitter on the planet. Bar none, end of story, end of conversation, bold period at the end of that. Juan Soto's the best, so he's the key for Washington. And I hope he stays healthy, too, so we can uh, enjoy his uh, his performances there. And, and the fans, too, down in uh, in Natsville. Can I call them Natsville down there? So, you know, sure. Is that, right? is that okay? Yeah. Natsville? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't know what the Nat population is down there. But anyway. Uh, I know they call it the DMV, but that's where I go to get my driver's license. <laughs> uh, all good stuff. All right. So from the National League East, we now transition to the toughest division in the entire major leagues. And in recent years, the Baltimore Orioles hate being a part of it. And that is the American League East. And let's, uh, let's start up at the top here, way up north, or Northern Brothers, who will actually be playing all their home games at home in Toronto this year, and that's the Blue Jays. Yeah, look, we talked about the exodus from Oakland. We'll probably put them on blast later when we get to the, to the West, but one of the teams that benefited, Atlanta got Matt Olson. The other Matt, the other side of the infield, Toronto went and got themselves Matt Chapman, who... Uh, is as good a defensive third baseman as there is in the game. Staying in the American League, now moving to the East, his likelihood of retaining the Gold Glove Award for the foreseeable future goes up. Um, he's a marvelous player, but for me, the guy that I'm watching is Jose Barrios, brother-in-law of Javier Baez. Uh, they brought in Kevin Gossman. They're, they've got Alec Manoa. They've got a lot of pitching up in Toronto. Barrios was always billed as the ace in Minnesota. Uh, Toronto paid a hefty price, some really good prospects, including Austin Martin, to get him last year. With Robbie Ray gone, it's time for Barrios to be the ace in Toronto. And the question is, is he's kind of in that Aaron Nola category. Like, how how good can you be? Because your stuff is next level. But you need to find it consistently and stay there. Um, I've always loved watching him pitch. He's one of my favorite guys to watch throw. Um, he plays with an exuberance. Um, he's just a, he's a guy that has a lot of fun when he's on the diamond, when he's out there throwing. Um, but Toronto needs him to be an alpha. 
And so for me, the key player for the Blue Jays, even with Bo Bichette, even with Kevin Biggio moving around, even with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being in that conversation with Juan Soto for the best offensive player uh, in the game right now, for me, they need Jose Barrios to pitch like a 1A ace this year uh, because that lineup is, for my money, the best and the deepest in the American League. Uh, and the pitching staff has got good depth. But the question is, do they have a collection of two, three starters? Or can somebody emerge as a legit one? And for me, Barrios is the guy that needs to emerge as the legit one. Yes, and I think uh, all of us would like a uh, Boba Shett series on Disney to replace the Boba Fett series that was awful last season. Oh, see, I, I, I enjoy Boba Fett. Come on. Well, that's for I thought that's... I thought it was entertaining. It's not as entertaining as this, uh, whatever winning time, uh, the Lakers series on HBO Max. Oh, I haven't checked you haven't that watched out. That. Is it good? Oh, you need to. But after the kids go to bed, okay. there's a little not suitable for work content going on in there. Uh, most of it actually, but uh, uh, it looks great. It looks better than the current Lakers. I would have to say too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the the current Lakers are kind of there with the Baltimore Orioles, but we'll. Uh, We'll leave basketball for another day and overpaid gong shows for another show. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I was okay with Boba Fett. Uh, Disney Plus puts out great content. If you're looking to sponsor a show, feel free to let us know. Um, <laughs> you have more money than God, Disney, give us a call. Uh, my Twitter handle's in the bio. So, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, Boba Fett, I, Boba Fett and Vlad Guerrero Jr. might steal MVP votes from each other this year. Because they're both just that gifted. Yeah, Toronto. Uh, but Bo's going to have a much easier time on his side of the infield with Matt Chapman playing third because that boy is just phenomenal. Good stuff going on in Toronto, no doubt about it. All right, so from all the way up north, we'll head all the way down south to the Tampa Bay Rays. Key player, Tab, who do you got? Well, the Rays intrigued me, you know, as Paul and I were talking this morning. You know, the dust hasn't settled on a lot of these rosters. And Tampa made a, made a deal – uh, on Monday night, in the middle of my fantasy draft, uh, and somebody sniped him before I could pick him, which kind of that's cruel. Yeah, no, it's really bad because I was going to pick him before I found out he got traded. Austin Meadows, who's a really good outfielder, former Pirate, because who isn't, <laughs> um, was traded to Detroit uh, for Isaac Paredes, who's a nice young player as well. Um, so Austin Meadows is gone. Uh, Tampa claims it wasn't a money move, but this is what Tampa does. They move guys around. Joey Wendell, gone. He's in Miami now. So there's a bunch of guys gone, but the guy that's there, the guy that got the bag before the biggest deal in the history of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you know, before he had finished puberty or finished a full season in the major league level, Wander Franco is the key player for the Tampa Bay Rays because he is a generational talent. He was the number one prospect in all of baseball for a year and a half, and then he came up last year and lived up to every ounce of the hype. He was doing things that Mickey Mantle did, and no one had done in between. He gets on base. He makes life hell on the bases. He plays multiple positions in the infield incredibly well. He is special. And for Tampa, with them constantly churning roster and moving veterans out to make room for young guys and somehow always having young guys that are going to become stars to replace them, uh, it looks like they're going to build this – coming generation around Wander, uh, and he is worthy of that. Uh, and he might be in that conversation for the most valuable player this year if the Rays can stay competitive in the American League East again this year. So uh, 
Wander's the guy to watch in Tampa, and he'll be the guy to watch for a while because he is absolutely special. And I think one other guy who could make a, a big impact on the team, I know he's uh, just had elbow surgery, but uh, Shane Baz, man, if that kid, uh, he's got potential there, man, but if he can really be a solid guy on that rotation, a young guy, uh, and come in there, I mean, I could think, I think that could stir the pot for Tampa and help them out a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like he might be back mid-May. Uh, it was not a Tommy John situation. It sounds like it was more of a cleanup thing. Uber talent, big-time stuff. They're going to be without Tyler Glass now. Um, but, again, Tampa's always found a way to just have a surplus of pitching and use them however they feel like it. Uh, and when, when Shane is ready to go, uh, he will be a guy that's fascinating to watch because he's got big-time stuff. Uh, you just... And the good thing about Tampa is they've never been a team that rushes anyone. Uh, and so they will take their time and make sure that he's healthy. And when he's fully ready to go, they'll ease him in. But you're right. Uh, Shane Baz is a guy that uh, has next-level type stuff. He has a special arm when it's healthy. And so got it cleaned up a little bit. There will be a little bit of a waiting period for him. But once he gets there, he could emerge as a top-of-the-rotation guy for Tampa. Absolutely. All right, let's head up to uh, Red Sox Nation. I was actually there Saturday night uh, up in uh, Foxborough, which is, uh, you know, uh, Patriots town, but a little close to Boston. Um, so the Red Sox, like you said, you talked about earlier, too, as far as, you know, uh, big signings and everything else. So, I mean, I guess it's the obvious, but take it away as far as their key player. Yeah, I mean, look, Chris Sale having a fractured rib, um, it's one of those things where you look at, Big acquisitions in sports. And we've talked about this in a lot of different regards, Paul. And it's, you know, prospects are nice. Parades are are better. And the Red Sox gave up a hefty price to get Chris Sale. They traded Yon Mankata and Michael Kopech to the White Sox to get him. But he got him a ring. Since then, uh, he has been plagued with injuries. And now he's got a rib issue that he's dealing with. They need him because Eduardo Rodriguez left. Um, Nathan Ovaldi's getting the opening day start. Their lineup is going to be stacked, though. J.D. Martinez is back. They've still got Rafael Davers. Uh, they've still got Xander Bogarts, both of whom should get paid at some point because they're both superstars. But for me, the key player in Boston is Trevor Story, the big money ad, who sounds like is moving to second base full-time so that Bogarts can stay at short. Uh, Story put up great numbers when he was with the Rockies. So we're going to see, does that transition away from the altitude? Some people were asking questions about his his road splits. Um, so is Trevor Story going to be able to hit? I think he's going to eat. I think he's going to love having the monster. I think he's got a great swing for what Fenway does. Uh, we'll see how defensively he handles the move to second base. He's a great athlete. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Um, but lots of lots of question marks, but he is a star player. Uh, the $140 million that he got from the Red Sox tells you that. So for me, a key guy for the Red Sox is Trevor Story because they need him to live up to the billing and live up to the money that they gave him. No doubt. He's going to be a big story there, and um, hopefully uh, he struggles against the Yankees, uh, who we're going to talk about next uh, this weekend and all season long. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Yankee fan here talking, but I'm going to try and stay unbiased. All right, pal. The New York Yankees. The Bronx Bombers. The boys in the pinstripes. There's a lot of key players on this team. Tough to pick one. What do you got, Tab? Lots of moving pieces there, too. Gary Sanchez, gone. Uh, Glaber Torres, moving to second. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, 
who I love. I talked about him a lot last year. Comes in as a shortstop. I think he's a great fit. I think Yankee fans are going to love him. He'll give you kind of that DD vibe. Love the guy's game. Josh Donaldson, what does he have left in the tank? We'll see. He says he talks a big game. He runs his mouth. Garrett Cole knows that. Um, so we're going to see what the left side of the infield being completely new looks like. Um, we'll see if Giancarlo Stanton can hit 800 home runs this year without striking out 900 times. The same can be said for Joey Gallo. Uh, the one strong consideration for me for the key player was Luis Severino coming back. Can he step back? I mean, he looked like an ace before he got hurt. Absolutely. Can he step back in and be a legit number two behind Garrett Cole? Because if he can, that's a game changer for them. But for me, the key player this year is Aaron Judge. And not just because he is one of the largest human beings on the planet, not playing professional basketball, but because we're in that time of year already where we're talking about what's his next contract look like? Who's next? Who, how much is he worth? You look at the money thrown around this offseason, how much is Aaron Judge worth to the New York Yankees? Because it's time. We're t- and Brian Cashman said that they're going to offer him a contract before opening day. Tick-tock, you got three days, uh, including today. So uh, make it happen, pinstripes. But if you want to get paid, you got to win. And Aaron Judge has done just about everything but win. Uh, so if someone's between the crosshairs... There's a lot of ball players out there who haven't won yet, buddy. True. And if any, if anybody's job's on the line, it's not Judge. We'll make Aaron a lot of Boone. money. But Aaron Judge is playing for the bag this year. And so we're going to see what Aaron Judge can... It, it's, it's, it's show up or shut up time for Aaron Judge. Uh, get on the field every day and do what you can do, and the money will follow. Um, but if he, if he struggles, he's the guy that stirs the drink for the pinstripes. For me, there's no question. He is, he is the leader. He is that heir to what Jeter was as the captain. Um, so it's time for him to show that it, it, it's time for them to pay him, uh, and it's time for him to lead that offense to another level. But as we've talked about so far, the Blue Jays are legit. Tampa's always there. Even if you can't name half of the guys on the roster, they just figure out a way to be there. And Boston is not going to go away. So it's a, it's a clouded division. I think both Eastern divisions are loaded top to bottom with the bottom having some question marks, but also some intrigue. Uh, but for the Yankees, this could be a first place year. This could be a fourth place year just as easily. Uh, and the guy that I'm, I'm watching this season is Aaron Judge uh, because he casts a long shadow on the field and he could cast a long shadow on their payroll after this season if he plays his cards right. And yeah. gets it done in the box. Yeah, no, I hear you. And for all the things you mentioned before, you know, people ask me, hey, you know, is he going to get some? I think, you know, the Yanks the are just going to give him a ton of money because he is. He's, 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 he's big. He's a big part of the franchise, even, you know, off the field. He's kind of like that, that, Derek G, that Derek Jeter kind of vibe, that feel. Um, you know, I, you just can't see this guy not playing for the Yankees for the rest of his career. At least that's how well, I but, feel. But what is interesting, Paul, is, with the, with, with the way that the luxury tax is still in place, how much of an appetite does the front office slash ownership have with jumping that luxury tax threshold, and for how long do they want to do that? Well, that's their problem. Because Garrett, because Garrett Cole's getting paid. <laughs> I know. And John Carlos. And he hasn't won anything paid. for the Yankees yet. You know, I get it. You right. Know? So, so they've already got massive financial commitments on the books. And I would submit that Judge should be in the same – 
annual value as Stanton and Cole. Mm-hmm. But he's got to do it. And then you got to see if the Yankees have an appetite for having three guys making north of $25 million a year, which is a heavy ask. And uh, Donaldson's not cheap either. So it'll be, it, we'll be interested to see what Judge brings to the table. But, uh, but this is a big year for him, on and off the field. Um, Completely we'll, we'll see if they, We'll see if they get it done by opening day. Uh, because if, if that's something that looms over them for the entire season, that puts more pressure on the player. No, they got to sell more uh, Judge jerseys, so they'll get they'll get it done before opening day. There's no doubt about it. It's too much money, not to be made. Anyway, um, yeah, the Yankees. Geez, we could spend another. We, and we do this sometimes because the Yankees are such an intriguing, you know, team. Not only because obviously me being a Yankee fan, but obviously just the Yankees, their place in MLB history and and the type of team and the impact they have uh, across the league here and stuff. But. Um, like I said, uh, you know, the, the judge has got to do it on the field. I agree with you, and I also agree that the Yankees just got to give him everything because he's just, you know, whatever they can do because of the kind of player that he is, like I said, on and off the field and what he means to the fan base. All right, with that said, we'll jump down to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, oddly of my son's Little League team will be called the Orioles this year, and we got our Orioles caps, and they, they're all official MLB, so uh, I'm really excited about uh, my Little League Orioles uh, I don't know how many people in the city of Baltimore are happy or excited about their Baltimore there, Orioles, but take it away. Key player rounding out the American League East here. I mean, for me, the key player in Baltimore is Cedric Mullins. Uh, early last year, he was my fantasy out of the week. Um, great young player, ended up going on and having a fabulous season. He was an all-star, worthy of it. Um, he's a young, dynamic player that they're going to build around. Uh, again, Baltimore is in the building stage. They are not in the competing stage. But uh, Adley Rushman probably would have been behind the plate on opening day if he didn't get hurt during spring training. He'll be there soon. Number one prospect in baseball. Uh, game-changing bat. Former number one overall pick. He'll be there soon. And a young pitcher named Grayson Rodriguez, who's also in the estimations of most a top ten prospect in all of baseball. He'll be there as well. Um, so it's coming in Baltimore. Uh, I think I, I feel comfortable that it's coming in Baltimore maybe a little bit quicker than Pittsburgh. Um, Cedric Mullins is going to probably be an all-star for a long time, largely because every team gets one, and he's the only guy that you can circle on that roster right now. Um, but uh, but Adley Rushman is going to be talented, and he's going to be really good, and the bat's going to play. Uh, so he'll be there soon. But for me, the guy that, that I'm watching on a daily basis, just because he's been through the ringer before and he shouldn't have the ups and downs that a rookie does, uh, is still Cedric Mullins. We will see. We'll see. There's no doubt about it. I mean, um, just the Orioles themselves as a franchise and everything else, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you feel for them just being in that division as far as, you know, uh, trying to trying to rebuild and, and build something back in that great city and the great story, uh, you know, uh, of, of the Orioles here too. And and I, I guess the reason I'm bringing that up, Tab, is when you bring in, a, you know, when you say a key player for the Baltimore Orioles and and trying to get a, a standout player to, to kind of turn help turn that franchise around. Yeah, and you know what? As we started with the East, lots of talk about the East. As we go through some of the other divisions, unfortunately. Uh, the conversations aren't going to be as long about which teams are actually in it to win it because uh, <laughs> those two divisions are really four teams deep Absolutely. in both leagues. No doubt. Um, and Washington and Baltimore both, I think, are going to sneak up and surprise some people this year. Um, 
but it, the conversation is going to be a lot shorter with some of these other divisions because there's some teams that are really just not uh, fielding a roster that excites you much. Um, and they're, it's pretty cut and dry, I think, in the, especially the Central Divisions, who the top two teams will be, at least in my mind. Um, so uh, lots, lots going on there. But Baltimore fans, uh, God bless you. It's coming. Stay with it. Uh, Adley Rushman is the jersey that you should buy. So figure out what number they're going to give him and go buy it now so you've got it when he makes his big league debut, hopefully soon. All right. And if things go south, you can follow me on Twitter, and I'll keep you updated on my son's Orioles, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. All right. So let's swing from the east, head towards the middle of the country, and we'll start in the National League Central, baby. Kick things off with my favorite brewers, your Milwaukee Brewers. Key player, Tab, what do you got? The fighting Bob Eukers. Uh, yeah. God bless him. Uh, icon, put him in the Smithsonian. Uh, hang him in the Louvre. Whatever you got to do. Uh, for me, the key player for Milwaukee, look, they brought in Andrew McCutcheon. The pitching plays. Freddie Peralta as a number three starter. Maybe the best number three starter in all of baseball. Um, but for me, the key for their entire thing is Christian Yelch. Is he the MVP that we saw a couple of years ago uh, before he got hurt? Or is he going to be the underwhelming guy we've seen the last couple of years? He's... He's, he, there really hasn't been much of an in-between in, in Milwaukee. Um, I think the expectations are there right now that Milwaukee runs away with this division. Uh, St. Louis will obviously have something to say about that, but their pitching is maybe the best top-to-bottom pitching staff in all of baseball. Um, but they need Christian Yelich to be an MVP caliber guy, uh, no question. So for me, Christian Yelich is the key to the entire deal in Milwaukee because if the bats can play, the pitching will take them as far as they can go. Yeah, and Milwaukee's got to do a little more than just make the playoffs uh, to impress everybody else. And now that we got a couple extra teams joining, uh, it's going to make it a little harder for them. Um, so we'll see what the Brewers do, uh, if they're real or not. Anyway, um, moving on to St. Louis. Cardinals, who do you got? I uh, love, uh, we talked about it, Pujols going home. Love that. Yachty's last dance uh, is going to be fun. Their young outfield, Dylan Carlson is special. Harrison Bader just got a nice two-year raise. Um, they've got Nolan Arenado at third base, Paul Goldschmidt at first base, maybe two of the best veteran corner infielders on one team, uh, offensively and defensively in baseball. But for me, the key to the whole thing is Adam Wainwright. I made fun of him for being 75 years old before. <laughs> But they're starting the season with a huge question mark next to Jack Flaherty, who should be their ace. And there should be closer. Uh, Alex Reyes is going to start the year on the shelf as well. So they have some bona fide pitching questions in St. Louis. And they're relying on a guy whose age begins with a four to be their number one guy, which is a big ask. And we've seen Tom Brady, um, you know, not have a, a care in the world about being 40. We've talked about Nelson Cruz already not caring about how old he is. But pitching's a little bit harder because you're using that arm uh, every five or six days to to try to dominate. Wainwright's a guy that's easy to cheer for, even if you don't like the Cardinals. But with Flaherty on the shelf for TBD to start the season, Wainwright has to come up big. He's got to eat innings, and he's got to be effective. Last year, he was special. He found the fountain of youth last year. But can he do that again? We'll see. And the Cardinals really need him to. Because, like you said, with the extra spot in the playoffs this year, I think it's open for them. I really do. And I think Milwaukee, if if Yelich is bad, there's an argument that St. Louis has the best offense in this division. 
Um, but the pitching needs to play. And if the pitching's going to play, Wainwright's got to be the guy. Uh, he shouldn't have to be the guy, but with Flaherty dinged up, he's got to be the guy. So I'm circling Adam Wainwright on the Cardinals roster as my key player. I like it. St. Louis, a lot of fun last year. Hopefully they can keep the fun going for their fans this season. All right, let's go to your favorite Chicago Cubs, the clean slate Chicago Cubs playing their home games at the world-famous Wrigley Field. Key player there, Tab. Who's left? Uh, well, uh, Kyle Hendricks is starting opening day yet again. Uh, fabulous pitcher, uh, vastly underrated. Um, one guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch for Cubs fans is going to be Nick Madrigal playing second base. He's a throwback. Uh, you know, he slaps the ball where the fielders aren't. He makes a ton of contact. He might not barrel the ball a lot. He did hit a home run against his former team, the White Sox, in the spring training game on Monday. Um, but I think Cubs fans are going to love him. See a Suzuki, the big import. Uh, to play outfield is going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. But for me, the key player is Wilson Contreras uh, because uh, he has been in trade rumors for the last couple of years. Uh, as far as the guys around the diamond, he and Jason Hayward are the only ones left from the World Series. And Jason Hayward uh, is a whole other conversation about the money that he's still making and if there's a DFA coming in his future before that deal ends. But, you know, Wilson, it, it, do they extend him? Or does he play himself out of Chicago and, and find himself in a different uniform? Big question there. Uh, but he is a lot of fun to watch. He's a great guy to interview. Uh, class act. He does a lot of great stuff off the field. And he's a really good catcher. Uh, big time arm. Uh, so we'll see what he looks like in a completely overhauled lineup. The fighting Frank Schwindels uh, on the <laughs> north side of Chicago. I forgot about that. For That's great. Player, for me, the key player is uh, Wilson with two L's. Contreras, unfortunately. Uh, two L's sounds like a weekly schedule for the Cubs this year. More times than not, uh, but he's my key player. Man, tough times in Chicago, man. Cubbies, Blackhawks. I don't know how you. I don't know how you pulling. I don't know how you swinging out there, Tab. I don't know how you holding up. I don't know what's going the on. The answer is Jepson's Malort. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, we'll be talking about the Cubs all season long, and I love say Suzuki. Bring him up a little later on in the show. Um, the Reds, baby. From Cincinnati. Uh, no longer the big red machine, but who who do you think is their big red machine guy right now? Uh, the, the little engine that can't. Uh, Cincinnati <laughs> moved a bunch of guys out. Uh, Hunter Green's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He is a special talent. He Two-way player coming in. Um, he's a guy that theoretically, if you knew that the DH thing was going to be a thing, um, and you could actually bat him. Who knows if, if he'd get a bat in his hands because he can hit it too. Um, but for me with the Reds, it's Joey Votto. Kind of like I said with Juan Soto. Like he's the only guy, he's the only guy that you're circling every day and he gets <laughs> it done. Uh, and it's kind of a crappy spot that they're rebuilding around him again. Uh, but Joey Votto is the name to circle for the Reds. Uh, we'll see if Luis Castillo can get healthy and lead the rotation, or if he finds himself being dealt. Sonny Gray is now uh, in Minnesota. Nick Castellanos uh, is now in Philly, uh, and Joey Votto is still in Cincinnati. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what Votto can do. But he look the power stroke showed up last year. We'll see if he goes back to being a a three ten hitter, or if he goes back to what we saw last year, which is a thirty plus homer guy. All right. Get some things for the fans in Cincinnati to cheer about there with Mr. Joey Votto. All right, now, we kid about the Pirates, but we're not serious. <clears throat> yes, we are. Um, tell you, man, the 
the Penguins don't do something this year. There's a lot of dust bowls running around in, uh, you know, professional sports teams' fields come playoff time in uh, their specific leagues there in Pittsburgh. But anyway, with that aside, the Pittsburgh Pirates, key player, what do you got, Dad? I almost said Ben Roethlisberger uh, because he might have been available to come out of their bullpen now that he's retired from the Steelers. Uh, and the Steelers are putting apparently their eggs in the Mitchell Trubisky uh, bucket this year. We wish them well. Yeah. Um, I think it's cold now. Cabrian Hayes is a really good third baseman. And the left side of their infield is going to be special when, for me, the key player for Pittsburgh this year, O'Neill Cruz, shows up. I already said, I'm kind of pissed that he didn't get the opening day promotion like a lot of the other top prospects did. He hit the crap out of the ball in spring training. He could be in the mix for National League Rookie of the Year if and when he gets the call. Um, They've got some other nice players. Brian Reynolds is a really good outfielder. But for me, you talk about game changers, guys that you want to pay to watch, and O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes are the two guys. So for me, the key players, if and when we see Cruz – uh, he's the guy that I'm going to keep an eye on because he's going to throw his hat in the ring real quick for National League Rookie of the Year. All right. Come on, Pirates. I'm pulling for you. Win 37 games this year for your fan base. Let's go. Make it happen. Come on now. All right. From the Central and the National, let's move on over to the American League Central. This, I don't know. I think, you know, you, you talked early about the White Sox running away with this. I think uh, your Javier Baez, Detroit Tigers, especially with the move last night, they're going to cause a little trouble here for the White Sox. I'm hoping. I'm crossing my fingers. But anyway, let's start in Chi-Town. Tony LaRusse's Chicago White Sox. Take it away, Tab. Keep playing. It's the best lineup in the division by a mile. The best bullpen in the division by a mile. So the White Sox should win this division pretty easily like they did last year, at least in my estimation. But with Lance Lynn probably being out maybe two months plus uh, after having some uh, repair work done to his knee, uh, for me, the key player is Lucas Giolito. Again, kind of like Aaron Judge. He's a guy that he's, he's got no hitter. He's been a big-time pitcher for them. Uh, he's started to become a face of the franchise, uh, leader on the pitching staff. But with Lance Lynn out, he now becomes the 1A. Uh, and so he needs to be that guy. Uh, he needs to eat innings, and he needs to go deep uh, as early as he can in the season. But he also needs to be there at the end. And that's going to be the hard thing with Tony La Russa liking to ride his starting pitching uh, almost to a fault. Dylan Cease is great. Big strikeout numbers. Michael Kopech, big-time arm. Ronaldo Lopez probably going to fill things out. M- middle of the night last night, the White Sox signed Johnny Cueto to a minor league deal. It sounds like he could be in the mix to help bolster the rotation here pretty soon. But for me, the guy I'm circling is Lucas Giolito because the the offense is going to be there. That line up, that line up top to bottom, is top five in the American League easily, if not top three. Um, if you give me them in Toronto in an American League Championship Series, I'm paying to go because that's that's going to you're going to ball's going to leave the yard pretty frequently. Uh, but if the Sox are going to get there, if they're going to get what they want to accomplish this year which Tim Anderson's already gone on the record and said is winner winner go home this year. They need Giolito to be there from start to finish and have enough gas left in the tank to lead him in the postseason. He's the ace to start the season, and he needs to be that all year. So Giolito's my guy on the south side of Chicago. All right, he needs to do it before uh, Coach Larusa needs a wheelchair. Hurry up, guys. All right, let's move over to De- Detroit. I can't even say it. 
the Detroit Tigers, baby. It's my team this Detroit year. Detroit Rock City. Yeah, baby. Turn it up. Key player, buddy. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about the Austin Meadows edition. They brought in Javier Baez to play shortstop. Uh, they brought in Eduardo Rodriguez to lead the rotation. They've got a lot of young arms, Tariq Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning. Um, their bullpen's going to be pretty solid. Uh, it sucks that Riley Green broke his foot because I thought I think he would have been another rookie in their outfield uh, with Akil Badu, who's a really good young player as well. For me, the guy I'm watching is Spencer Torkelson, former number one overall pick, potential American League Rookie of the Year type guy. Good enough bat that Miguel Cabrera said, I'm fine being a DH every day if this kid's bat's in the lineup because it's that good. Uh, natural third baseman, looks like he's going to move across the diamond and play first. Um, but big time pop, uh, special bat. And you get pick number one overall because of that. And he's making the jump to the opening day roster because of it. So for me in Detroit, as much as I selfishly will be watching Javier Baez up there, the key player is Spencer Torkelson, because if he can be as advertised, you're right. I think the Detroit Tigers are going to stay in the White Sox rearview mirror a lot longer than a lot of people think. Uh, and I've actually got them finishing second in that division uh, behind the Chicago White Sox this year. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. And uh, we got to do a show on names. I love baseball names. Spencer Torkelson is just a fantastic baseball, old-time baseball name. All right. Um, the other pride of uh, Missouri, and that's the Kansas City Royals, not the Kansas City Chiefs. Key player there, batting for the blue and the white. Well, for me, it, it, it's Bobby Wood Jr. Again, you, you might have one, two in the American League Rookie of the Year voting between Torkelson and Witt. We'll talk about a third guy. Uh, here when we swing west, but I think those two guys, both consensus top three prospects in baseball, are game-changing bats. Uh, and it sounds like Witt's going to be in the lineup opening day for the Royals, and Royals fans should line up to watch him. Salvador Perez, what he did last year was incredible. I love the story of Granke coming home to lead that young pitching staff. Uh, Whit Merrifield's still a great player. Edelberto Mondesi can run like just about nobody in baseball. But for me, the guy I'm watching is Bobby Witt Jr. Because if they want to accelerate this rebuild and get into that conversation for second, third place in that division and possibly fighting for a playoff spot, Witt's going to be the guy that changes the lineup. So for me, I'm watching Bobby Witt Jr. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Minnesota Twins. Talk about a clean slate or the new Twins. Uh, You know, all kinds of stuff going on and uh, making a lot of scratch our heads. But. I don't know. It looks kind of good on paper. But what do you got for key player here in the great Twin Cities in Minnesota? Yeah, you know, we've talked about what the hell are they doing. Um, for me, the key player is Gary Sanchez. Who? Uh, Gary, the Kraken. Who? Um, <laughs> he, he might not be the Kraken. Yankee fans would probably tell you he's the enigma. Um, we've seen what this guy can do with the bat. We've also seen what he can't do behind the plate. Thank you. Um, and... So there are limitations there. Minnesota, again, I, I, I'm he going from Garber to Sanchez. It's kind of a break-even proposition. Garber maybe a little bit better defensively. Um, still has a lot of pop, um, but I think for three or four years now we've been hearing about Gary Sanchez needs a change of venue, and now he got it. So are we going to get a relaxed Gary Sanchez that's capable of hitting 40 bombs? Uh, or are we going to get an uptight fighting himself, Gary Sanchez, who makes people scratch their heads? He's a huge X factor for the Twins. Byron Buxton, too. I mean, if he can stay healthy, he's one of the five most talented guys on the planet. But for me, Gary Sanchez is the guy that 
is going to make or break the season for the Twins this year. Because if he goes back to being a 40-homer bat, the lineup's deeper, uh, it's more potent, uh, and they're going to have something to say in that division. If he struggles to bat his body weight and can't get the ball out of the field, and remember, it's it ain't 70 degrees in Minnesota to start the season. Um, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough year for Minnesota. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why you would trade Barrios for a prospect and look like you're rebuilding and trade Cruz for prospects and look like you're rebuilding and then trade your first round pick from 21 for Sonny Gray, who's basically the same guy that Barrios is. Um, I, I don't think Dylan Bundy's a game changer in their rotation. I think that their rotation took a step back, to be honest. I think their lineup took a step back when you took Paul Donaldson. Yes, he was hurt a lot last year, but um, you move Garver and Donaldson out and you bring in Ursula, who's a, a leader. He was loved in the Yankee clubhouse. He's a great defensive third baseman. Uh, he's not going to hit 30 home runs. Uh, and you bring in Sanchez, who's an enigma. I'm not totally sold on what they're doing. They've got a lot of really good young players. Alex Kirilov is terrific. Um, but for me, the guy that's going to completely change how this season goes in Minnesota is Gary Sanchez. So that's why he's my key player. If he has an offensive renaissance, they can make some noise. If he doesn't, they're going to struggle. Yes, and uh, those guys are not the Yankees' problems anymore. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how how much uh, hair gets scratched off everybody's heads, whether it's early in the season or later in the summer. All right, it's really tough to call these guys the Guardians, but that's what they're called now in Cleveland, rounding out the American League Central. Your Cleveland Guardians. Key player, buddy. Uh, Groot? <laughs> um, Star Lord? I don't know. Who is going to be called um, Star Lord on that team? Is the Trash Panda going to throw out the first pitch? Oh, um, love it, love it. I'm going to I'm going to throw a name out there. Jose Ramirez is obviously the key player because he's one of the best players in the game. But for me, I'm looking at Bobby Bradley, who a lot of people have really liked. Is there anything there? Um, we've seen a lot of guys come up with a lot of hype around them and fizzle uh, since they were in the World Series against the Cubs six years ago. Um, can Bobby Bradley be one of those secondary pieces of offense behind Jose Ramirez and Fran Reyes? Um, what position do they put him at? Is it first base on a daily basis? Is he a platoon guy? Um, so I'm keeping an eye on Bobby Bradley because I think that there's something there, but you don't know what it is. Uh, and you'd kind of like to see it. So I'm going to say Bobby Bradley is my key player for them because you don't know what you're going to get from him. And if they get anything from him, cool. <laughs> their pitching, their pitching is going to make them competitive, no question at all. Uh, much, much like the Milwaukee Brewers, the pitching staff, top to bottom, is scary good. But the Cleveland lineup, outside of Jose Ramirez, is a lot thinner than what Milwaukee has, and that's why Milwaukee is the favorite right now to win one Central Division, and the Guardians are a huge question mark in the other. Um, so. Uh, it would be very interesting to see how they how they do and how the merch sells. Yeah, I was going to say, They've man. got a whole new logo, whole new branding. The stadium's got a different vibe. They'd replace the first five letters on the team name at the sign outside the <laughs> spring training complex um, because, you know, why half-ass anything? Uh, but keep an eye on Bobby Bradley. I think he's going to be an interesting guy to see if he can be part of that secondary offense that they've been searching for since the World Series. they got to win in Cleveland. It's the only way to, I don't know, 
make this name change and everything else. So um, I don't know how far away they are from that, but it's uh, maybe a galaxy away tab. <laughs> but hey, if hey. Bob Seger can turn the page, why can't the city? <laughs> Great stuff. All right, Tab, with that, let's, uh, oh, the Guardians of the Galaxy puns. I don't think we'll get tired of that this, year, this season. But anyway, let's head on out to the West. Dennis Bernstein territory. And we'll start in the oh. National League. And we'll start <laughs> with, with DB's favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. What do we got, Tab? Keep playing. Well, uh, Scherzer's gone. We don't know what the hell they're going to do with Trevor Bauer. The lineup is loaded. You know, Mookie's still there. Cody Bellinger, what the hell is he? I mean, talk about holes in the swing. It, it, what, striking out 80% of the time in spring training? Um, so, kind of a rough spot for, for him. For me, the key player for the Dodgers is Craig Kimbrell. Uh, they're naming a new closer for the first time in what feels like 30 years. They've moved on from Kenley Jansen. He's in Atlanta now. Uh, they traded A.J. Pollock to get him. If he can be what he was for the Cubs before the trade last year, he's elite. If he's what he was for the White Sox in the second half of the season, they got problems. Now the Dodgers have Blake Trinan or Bruce Gratterall that they can fall back on, so it's an embarrassment of riches out there when it comes to pitching. Um, Joe Kelly, now with the Chicago White Sox, so that's one guy that they don't have. But Kimbrell showed that he can still be an elite closer for the Cubs last year, and that's why the White Sox paid what they did to get him. But – for me, if the if he can be an elite closer, the Dodgers are as complete a team as there is in baseball. Um, even if Bellinger decides to become a platoon guy and be a DFA candidate after this year, um, Kimbrel's got to be the guy. And if he is, that division should be theirs. Uh, if he's not, it opens the door a little bit for some other teams to be intriguing. That's interesting. Uh, it seems like the whole world is predicting the Dodgers. To go all the way. And that and that's with that's with Freddie Freeman being their first baseman now. Okay. That's with Freddie Freeman being a Dodger, which is gonna look and feel so freaking weird all year. <laughs> but for me, the key is Craig Kimbrell at the back end because you know what you're gonna get from the offense, you know what you're gonna get from the rotation, I think. Um, but they need Kimbrell to be elite. They need to have somebody shutting the door at the end because if he can do that, all the other dominoes set up for them to run away and hide in the West. All right. See what happens in Hollywood. All right, let's move a little uh, south down there, uh, the state there, and their their Southern State rivals there, the San Diego Padres. Hmm, I'm looking at your key player here, and uh, it's 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 interesting to see a couple of names not on here. But uh, tell everybody, Tab, your key player here for the San Diego Padres. Stay classy, San Diego. Uh, yeah. So Fernando, so Fernando Tatis decided that he likes motorcycles, and he's going to miss a couple months with a busted <sighs> hand. Ho hum. Unbelievable. Um. They've still got bats for days. Machado's still going to hit. They're trying to figure out what to do with Eric Hosmer. We'll see how that plays with him on the cusp of allegedly being traded to the Mets and then not. Um, and they're openly trying to get rid of his contract. Uh, they make the deal to bring Luke Voigt in from the Yankees to possibly DH. Um, their pitching rotation is interesting because they've got a lot of talent. Just don't know what it's going to look like. Blake Snell's going to be back. Mike Clevenger's going to be back at some point. Uh, Hugh Darvish is still as good as it gets as a 1A. Um, but for me, the key player for the Padres is Sean Manaya, who they just got from Oakland. Um, look, I mean, he was a 
you know, number two, number three, uh, high end number two, number three in Oakland. And now he slides in with the Padres as a four, five, six, depending on what they do with Paddock and Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore had a really nice spring training. Chris Paddock was allegedly, you know, rumored to be part of that deal that apparently fell through with the Mets. Um, but if Sean Manaya can be what he was in Oakland, they've now got five or six guys in that rotation that are interesting. And, and so it, being a late add to the pitching staff is interesting. Bob Melvin moving down the coast to be the manager in San Diego is a huge get for them, which is why I think that they'll hang around, even if they've got injuries with Tatis and maybe some others to deal with, even with some moving pieces with Clevenger still working his way back. Um, but I think Manaya was a great get for them because he can eat some innings. He can be a very calm. And he, look, he's a high end back of the rotation guy. You don't have a lot of teams that have somebody that good starting on day four or five when the rotation lines up. So for me, Sean Manaya being a high end back of the rotation starter gives them depth, takes pressure off of other guys. If he can eat innings, it takes pressure off of their bullpen so they can ease in some of these other guys like Snell and Clevenger, maybe Gore Paddock. So Manaya becomes a really key guy for me because I think he can be a really nice X factor that lets a lot of other things set up for the way Bob Melvin wants to use that pitching staff. I agree with you, man. They've got the bats. They definitely need to throw the heat if they're going to um, challenge at all uh, in that division. All right, so let's um, head out to the uh, the Rocky Mountain High of Colorado. Uh, some people might say Chris Bryant is a little high, but uh, seems to be your key player here for the Colorado Rockies. His, his checking account sure as hell is. Whoa, it's looking good. Boy got paid. Good for him. And, you know, he said all the right things. They're building. They want to compete. When the Cubs went out and wanted to win a World Series, they went out and got John Lester to take the pitching staff to the next level. They brought in veteran guys like David Ross, who's now their manager. And he's, he says, now I want to be that guy that helps take this team to another level. I want to be the leader that takes this team to the playoffs. They're not there right now, sorry. Um, but Chris Bryant could have a really strong offensive season. They've got some other guys like Ryan McMahon who are pretty good. Their pitching staff is intriguing. Um, but for me, it's got to be Chris Bryant because he got paid. So all the eyes are going to be on him because he's making so much damn money. Uh, and he's good enough to warrant that money. Scott Boris went out and told his client that he'd get him paid, and he did. But now Chris Bryant's got to back it up. And it sounds like he's going to be the everyday left fielder in Colorado. So third base is moving uh, into a possible, but not a probable everyday thing for Chris Bryant in Colorado. So uh, we wish him luck, uh, but with the money that he's getting paid, he is obviously the key player in Denver this year. No doubt about it. Uh, look, it's a beautiful state. I live there, Denver, great town. Um, I mean, with all that money and Hey, they can turn it around a little bit. It's a great place to play. No doubt about it. All right, uh, the San Francisco Giants disappointed in their finish last year as far as where I thought they were going to be. But anyway, still a good squad. Who do you got, key player for the San Francisco Giants, baby? Mad Dog Russo's I mean, look, Giants. Most people, pe people thought the Giants were going to be fourth or fifth in that division last year, and then they went out and won like 175 games. Um. So it, they're coming off of a special, unexpected, I would argue unprecedented season. Can they do it again? We'll see. Gossman's gone. He's in Toronto now. Logan Webb's now emerged as the next generation ace of their staff. But for me, the guy that I'm looking at as a key player is Joey Bart, who 
was considered one of the top catching prospects in baseball for a few years. The question now with Buster Posey officially retiring is it's Bart time. Uh, this isn't a Simpsons reference. It's time for Bart to be the guy on uh, more times than not daily basis behind the dish in San Francisco. Uh, he struggled when he came up at times the last couple of years. Uh, this spring, he's looked a lot better. I think he's more comfortable. He's seen it a little bit. He's had a taste. So for me, I, I'm circling Joey Bart as the key player in San Francisco because Buster Posey's leaving massive shoes to fill. But he's a good one, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on him because he struggled when he's gotten a crack at it a couple times before. Uh, but I think now that he knows the job is his without a question, it's not just biding time or seeing what he can do. Now it's his. So comfortably, confidently go get it. Joey Bart, key player for me in San Francisco. Love it. It's got to be an exciting time for him, for that kid and, uh, and, and taking over the, the, the shoes. Not easy, but it's it's still got to be exciting to, to know the job is his, right? So it's definitely his job to lose anyway. All right, rounding out the uh, the National League West here is the Arizona Diamondbacks. All I can say is, what do you got, key player? What happens in Arizona? Hey, they, they paid Kettle Marte. Good for him. Um, I still think he's trade bait because that's another deal that's got good money attached to it, and he's got a ton of value. I'm going to throw three names at you. I've I've, <clears throat> I've tried to keep myself to one with every other team in baseball. But for me, there's three guys on Arizona that I'm watching this year. Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas, and Geraldo Perdomo. I've talked a little bit about Perdomo already. Really good-looking young shortstop defensively. He's outstanding switch hitter, makes a lot of good contact. Came up, struggled a little bit, but I think he's going to get a long look at shortstop. And he is a really good player. And I really enjoyed talking with him when he was playing for the Kane County Cougars a few years back. So I'm rooting for Perdomo. Uh, Varsho and Thomas uh, both come from families that have been around baseball for a long time. If the name Dalton sounds familiar to Philly fans, he's named after Darren Dalton. Uh, <laughs> Gary Varsho is his old man, who was a great pinch hitter for a long time. Alec Thomas's dad worked in the White Sox organization for a long time. Really good young players. If those three young guys come in and get acclimated and get comfortable in a hurry, Arizona is an interesting team. If they struggle and they got to go back down or uh, they fight through it this year, then Arizona is going to have a long, hard season. Uh, but those three guys, Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas, Geraldo Perdomo, are the three guys that, for me, are a key in Arizona this year. Yeah, good uh, good names there. And, uh, sheesh, hopefully the Suns can bring it home this year. I mean, otherwise, the state of Arizona doesn't have a lot to root for here. But uh, these key players you're talking about, uh, it's a nice mix, and I'd love to see the Diamondbacks turn their uh, – their franchise around here, all kidding aside. Um, so it'll be good for uh, the state there and that team and that franchise. All right, Tab. So let's uh, let's move there from the NL West. Let's move on over now to the American League West and see what's going over there and what Tab feels are the key players. The Mariners, the Astros, the Angels, the Rangers, and the A's. Let's start in Seattle, baby. What do you got there, Tab? Oh, boy. I already pumped this kid's tires in the show today. Julio Rodriguez, for me, is the key player for the Seattle Mariners. This is a guy who is going to come in, and if he hits, you're talking about another guy in that mold of Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, he is young. He is special. He is the next big thing, and he made the opening day roster. Uh, so, for me, like if you're buying a Mariners jersey, Julio Rodriguez is it. They've got uh, Robbie Ray added to their pitching staff. Logan Gilbert looked pretty good at times last year. 
Their pitching staff is going to be really good. Their lineup is going to be deep. Uh, but for me, if Julio Rodriguez comes in and he does what a guy like Acuna or Soto or Tatis has done in recent years and make it look easy at a young age, the Mariners are the team to beat in the American League West. Uh, I went out as far as to say that I think they win the division by more than four games on Twitter, so I'll say it here. Um, but Julio Rodriguez could be an absolute game changer for all of baseball. He's that good. So making the opening day roster, God bless him. Julio Rodriguez, my pick to click in Seattle this year. I like it. I like the Mariners too. All right, Houston Astros, key player. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. I don't know if I want to hope too much for the Astros. But uh, just as as a as a team here in a franchise, the further they get away from trash can gate and all that other stuff, um, the better. But anyway, uh, and even better for baseball. Houston Astros key player. So Houston, what do we do here? They shouldn't have a problem anymore, but they still do. The problem now is Seattle. Um, so when you look at their roster. Uh, Alex Bregman, totally healthy. Uh, Justin Verlander back after Tommy John got a you know very nice, hefty contract. Um, they've got some young pitchers that have struggled with consistency. They've got some young pitchers who uh, you've got questions about durability. Their bullpen's still filthy. I, they're still an incredibly well-run organization. But if I'm going to label one guy as being the key, oh by the way, Kyle Tucker superstar like first round draft pick and fantasy everything he's the absolute truth and he's gonna have he's been asked to basically replace what george springer was in the lineup for the last couple years now they need to replace carlos correa's bat and the young man asked to do that is jeremy pena who will jump into the starting shortstop role and it looks like he could hit leadoff for the astros uh this year so uh, with all of the questions that they have, look, they're still a team that I think a lot of people expect to be there all year. But, you know, we've talked about some teams that have the assumption because of where they've been over the last decade of what we think that they should be. But there are a lot of question marks in Houston. But for me, the key player there is how does Jeremy Pena, A, fit in the lineup? Does he Do they lead him off? Does he stay there? And B, uh, how much of the Carlos Correa production and defensive excellence gap how much is he able to make up as a rookie uh, it's a heavy ask for a young guy to replace a former number one overall pick and really centerpiece of their championship team uh, but they're asking him to do it so we wish jeremy Pena good luck uh, <laughs> because he's got a he's got a big job in front of him this year down in houston i wonder if uh the the uh the players exiting houston to go on to uh, you know, other other teams. I wonder if that's a relief for them or, or whatever. I mean, I mean, we're gonna get into it obviously with uh, team predictions and and everything else a little later on. But um, I mean, you, I mean, Dusty and that and that squad, like I said, you still it's run well and everything. Um, just be interesting uh, if there's books down the road when these guys who've left through all the turmoil, if they have anything to say down the road in terms of, uh, oh, thank God I got out of there, man. <laughs> Couldn't there deal could with be the three abuse. Or four memoirs. <laughs> like I, there are three or four memoirs that I would read uh, off of that championship roster. I mean, and that's not including Verlander's career, which has been outstanding. But you look at Correa being a number one overall pick and emerging as the face of the franchise. You look at George Springer from that team. 
you know, being the guy that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the prediction that they would win the World Series and then it actually paid off. Um, you look at Carlos Beltran, the comments that he had uh, with Michael Kay the other day on Yes, now that he's, you know, doing some Yes stuff uh, with the Yankees, uh, the comments that he had about it. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, uh, you know, if, if he wanted to throw some thoughts out there, I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past here on Line Drive Radio. The Gurriel brothers, their father is one of the greatest players in Cuban history. Their last name is Royalty in Cuba. And so for him to come in and, you know, he had the dust up where he made the unfortunate gesture with his eyes during the postseason one year. Uh, you know, his brother up in Toronto, completely different country. But, you know, to go from the getting out of Cuba and, you know, I've read a couple articles, uh, one right when they defected about how that could have been the death blow to Cuban baseball, wow. those two guys defecting. So there's and then you've got Altuve, you know, the the undersized superstar, who you know, needs a stepladder to, you know, tie Aaron Judge's shoes. Um, so, there, I mean, there are lots of great individual stories there. Uh, I think for a lot of people, they're just going to permanently be jaded against the Astros and that specific group of players mm -hmm. because of what they did. It's not what they were accused of doing. It's what they did. Um, but I think a lot of teams have moved on. I mean, look, Marwin Gonzalez was one of the guys that absolutely clearly benefited from that system. And Yankee fans cry about it constantly, respectfully. And he's in the Yankees organization now. So you can say what you want about, you know, these guys cost us, you know, Brian Cashman crying about, well, we should have won a World Series, but the Astros cheated. Well, maybe if you're that bitter about it, don't sign a guy who benefited from the system. <gasps> and they did. So it's, it's like everything else in professional sports. You're damned for the act, but if you can play, somebody will pay you. So, uh, and I think a lot of fans now have been able to get it out of their system we, we talked last year about the Astros benefiting from having nobody in the stands in 20 and then having limited people in the stands last year. They'll still get booed. I think Correa will still get booed every single at-bat in Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think that there will be fans that will always boo Altuve. Uh, there will be fans that will always boo Alex Bregman. But I, I think you, you've kind of had the vitriol worked out of people's systems, and now we can move on with baseball. But... It'll be interesting when you get to the Hall of Fame conversation, especially for Altuve, because I think that there's absolutely a case there with what he's been able to do so far, um, how that affects those guys. And Carlos Beltran will be on the on the ballot sooner than later, and this will absolutely affect his candidacy. And I think he's got a strong case when you look at the numbers. But there will be that, uh, you know, demerit, if you will, on his resume for the Hall of Fame that he took part in that uh, cheating scandal and a lot of people, you know, right or wrong, pointed their fingers at him. So, uh, but, you know, th this is where turning over a roster and having new names in positions that were held by guys associated with that team starts kind of the healing and the moving forward process for Houston. So, um, you know, I don't think Jeremy Pena has to worry about hearing the boos because of the cheating, but I think he, he needs to bust his ass because he's got a huge role to fill with Carlos Correa and what he meant on the field. No doubt about it. And I tell you what, if Altuve does get to the Hall of Fame, you know, they'll have to, uh, 
have to search his shirt there and make sure he's not wired and somebody's feeding him his speech, you know? So, <laughs> see what happens. All right, Paul, let's... Put his shirt on, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's head down to... Um, or over a little further west there to uh, um, Joe Madden's um, Los Angeles Angels. And I, I think this is a pretty obvious one, uh, and, and you, you got it down here on our notes, but take it away as far as the Angels. Key player for their upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there are a lot of guys that are going to be important and interesting this year. It looks like Reed Detmers is going to get a shot at the rotation, who was their first-round pick, I, I believe, in 2020. Um, good young arm. Noah Syndergaard coming back from missing a year and a half because of uh, arm problems. They gave him a, a fairly surprising dollar amount to come in there. Can he be the potentially dominant ace, the guy that we called Thor when he was with the Mets? Um, they need pitching. Um, and they need Shohei to do what he did last year. And there are a lot of people who believe that that was not Shohei's ceiling, which is scary, uh, that he can do more. He can be a better pitcher. He can be a better DH. This year, you've got a new rule that we are all lovingly calling the Shohei rule, mm-hmm. uh, which is if you are the starting pitcher and in the lineup as a DH, when you leave the game as a pitcher, you can remain in the lineup for the rest of the day slash night. As are you cool with that, Tim? You like that? Uh, yeah, it's great. Me Look, too. It, it, it's entertainment, and if you've got someone who is as gifted as Shohei Otani, you want him in the game as much as you can. But you don't want him. You don't want to have a manager have to make a decision about if he's leading off the seventh inning. Do you stretch him to finish the sixth inning to get that one more at bat and mm-hmm. risk injury? And I think now that the DH is universal, if there are talented individuals who can pitch and hit. And you want to put them out there. And look, there are other guys who could be in that category. Hunter Green, we talked about with the Reds. He was a, a legit elite bat, but he's pitching in their organization. Do they let him swing a bat at some point? And do they look at maybe allowing him with this rule in the Universal DH? Do they allow him to consider the Shohei? Uh, Brennan McKay in Tampa Bay, you know, he's got baseball cards of him swinging because they, he did both when he started in his minor league journey, but they've, you know, kind of nurtured him in the more of a pitcher than a batter. But is he a guy that Tampa at some point considers using in that Shohei role? And there are so many guys over the years who have come out who were legit, could have made the majors as a batter, but went the pitching route because you, you didn't do both until Shohei Otani. Um, Tim Hudson is, is, I think, the biggest example. You know, he was an All-American with the bat, but he was an ace pitcher in the major leagues. So I love it. I think it's good for the game. I think the more that you can get the best players on the field, the better. It's going to be great and, to sit back and watch it this year and see how managers use it and, and see how the, uh, you know, especially on the National League side, you know, how things yeah. are going to work out here. So I, I'm excited for, you know, just all the new DH stuff. It's going to, I think it's going to be great. And I think uh, hopefully it'll uh, bring a whole new, um, you know, I've talked about this uh, on many shows in the past. I think, you know, there's so many great, aspects of baseball how it's managed you know they call it the slow game and everything but there's a beauty about it and I think like I said there's a chess game about it as well too and I think now the managers have just been added an extra chess piece or like you know they've got their queen to the end or their uh their pawn to the end and they can bring in a you know back their queen here and and have a a a different piece on on the on the game table here to kind of you know 
challenge other teams. So it's going to be great. Yeah, and well, and it, it's a huge advantage for the Angels because they've got with additional roster spots, they're killing two birds with one stone with Shohei. And so now again, we're not saying that anybody's going to replicate Shohei Otani, but there's an opportunity down the road that you could see more teams allowing guys to do both in a somewhat limited capacity or a full capacity if it's the right guy. So very exciting. Um, but for me, really, there are two guys that I'm circling in Anaheim slash Los Angeles slash the greater Southern California area, <laughs> wherever the angels want to be referred to at this point, um, that last year were limited because of health problems. And this year look like they're totally healthy going in, uh, Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is a, one of the five best overall third baseman in all in baseball. He's a superstar, and he got the bag because he is a superstar third baseman. Uh, if he can be fully healthy, that's a game changer for their lineup. But for me, the key player for the Angels is obvious, but it's an overlooked obvious. We've taken Mike Trout for granted at this point. Fantasy leagues, he's a late first, second round draft pick now. Mm-hmm. He is still one of the great players in the game. And I think that obviously there's reason to be concerned about him, his ability to stay on the field healthy. But when he's healthy, he, I would submit, is still one of the great all-around talents in baseball. He is a top-five player without question in all of baseball. There's a short list of guys who I would consider overall impact on the game in that same category as Mike Trout. And so he needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay on the field. And if he can do what he's done in the past and be an easy vote for MVP, the Angels could make the West very interesting. Definitely, yeah. Um, because they've got some young pitching starting to get there. Um, they spent some money on pitching. We know that Shohei can be an ace now. But that lineup is going to mash. That's a really good lineup mm-hmm. if Rendon and Trout are there every day. Or at least, let's call it 150. 45 to 150 of the 162. If those two guys are in the lineup more times than not, the Angels are going to score runs. And you can live with the four ERA if you're able to get five every day. Uh, and that looks like where the Angels are headed right now. So we'll, we'll see what it is. But for me, it feels obvious. It should be obvious. But I think a lot of people now are sleeping on Mike Trout and what he, how good he is. So I'm going to circle Mike Trout as a key player in Los Angeles of Anaheim. Absolutely, and I hope he does incredibly well there. He's just a, an incredible talent, like you said, and a, and a great player. So, uh, I, look, I'm all for the Angels being exciting out there. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's head down south to uh, Texas, baby. Texas Rangers, man, uh, under the, uh, the idle hands of Mr. Chris Woodward. So uh, who's your key player, pal? Well, they, uh, they were definitely in the smoke em if you got them category everybody we, we joke about steve cohen spending a boatload of money the texas rangers committed a half billion dollars to their middle infield I mean, 500 million dollars gross to Corey seager and marcus simeon and then they went and got john gray while they were at it so they added a, a frontline pitcher um i would not consider him to be an upper echelon ace but he's a durable guy who's done some good things. And I think getting out of Colorado, he becomes an interesting guy to see how his pitch selection plays outside of that. 
those three guys are going to have a lot to live up to. Um, but, you know, a guy that I'm keeping my eye on this year, Adolis Garcia, um, like Randy Rosarena in Tampa, a former Cardinals farmhand who you talk about an embarrassment of riches. I mean, they almost swept the gold gloves last year and they had two guys who look like they could be superstars playing somewhere else. Uh, this is a kid that's got 30 homer pop. Um, now he's got a couple more bats in the lineup around him. Nathaniel Lau is going to be a, a nice first baseman for them. He's got 30 homer power as well. But now you got a sophomore season. You've got some more bats around you. Uh, Adolis Garcia, for me, is kind of in that Cedric Mullins. Like, last year you blew up, so now you prove that it's legit. You're not a flash in the pan. You're not going to have a sophomore issue. Can he do it again? And if he does, again, not to the extent with the Angels, because I think that Rangers pitching is probably a couple years away still. Uh, when you start talking about Jack Leiter, you know, potentially being, you know, in that Walker Bueller ace level look. Um, but they've got some pieces now, and they're clearly building for the future. Big hit for them was when their top third base prospect, Josh Jung, uh, ended up having to have surgery, and, and it looks like he's not going to be with them for a little bit here, but he, he, they bank on him being their third baseman of the future. Um, but we're kind of, they're, they're in like a, the year away from having the ability to start integrating all these draft picks that they've had ready to go at the same time. So their window is starting to open, which is why they gave the term and the money that they did to Seager and Simeon. Uh, so those are the guys that are going to be the centerpieces. But for me, the key player is, what do we get year two from Adolis Garcia? If he shows that last year was what he's going to be, that's a really nice piece for them uh, that they got for cheap from St. Louis. So uh, I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. It's going to be fun to watch down there in Texas and the new ballpark. It's uh, obviously a couple of years in here, but uh, good fan base down there in Texas. And, uh, you know, I guess a fan base, when they see their ownership spending some money, uh, bring them out to the park. We'll see what happens. But a uh, good pick there. And another great uh, baseball name there. Um, so good stuff in oh, Texas. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Um, last but not least, in our LDR key player preseason look at here, the Oakland Athletics. And I wonder how much of a – I guess it, it, it is a huge change. Matt Olson not being there anymore. Uh, I think it's a – I don't know. Not to use the uh, earthquake term there down in, in California, in Oakland, in the Bay Area. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's a big uh, big change here. Going to be in Oakland and obviously the, uh, the, the, the cloud overhead with, uh, you know, possibly them moving and everything else. Um, but I hope they never leave Oakland. But anyway, take it away, Tab. Key player for the Oakland Athletics for the upcoming 22 campaign. Yeah, so Oakland. Uh, where do I begin? It's like <laughs> Dr. Evil giving his monologue. Um, so we've got Matt Olson's a key player in Atlanta. Matt Chapman's a guy to watch in Toronto. Sean Manaya is a, a key player in San Diego. Uh, you know, we wonder who else will be dealt, uh, and how soon that'll happen. Cause Frankie Montas's name is certainly out there still. Um, and then you look at some of the young guys that they brought in and you're like, yeah, where do these guys fit? You know, Ramon Laureano suspended to start the year because he got pinched for PEDs last year. Um, for me, the, the, the key guy for Oakland, right? Oh, by the way, Jesus Lazardo, marvelous pitcher, as Velocity's back, a, a guy to watch with the Marlins. Um, 
So, like, half of the league is benefiting from Oakland fire sales over the last couple of years. And the only guy who's left, really, for me, is Sean Murphy behind the plate. Uh, you know, he's a really good catcher. He's still relatively young. Uh, it looks like they probably got the air to him and Shea Langliers in the, in the deal that sent Matt Olson to Atlanta. So you wonder how long he'll be uh, with the Oakland Athletics uh, or the Vegas Athletics or whatever they end up being. Oh, say it ain't um, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, Sean Murphy is the guy to watch just because there's nothing else worth watching. Oh man. Um, <laughs> no, look, it's going to be a rough year. And the unfortunate thing in Oakland is, but look, if you're a small market team, everybody's read or watched Moneyball. You know how Oakland thinks you've got a window, you push it as hard as you can. And if that window doesn't work, when the guys are going to get paid, you burn it down and you start over. And they have not been able to do that replenishment as well or as consistently as Tampa has. Uh, they've been able to produce good guys. They've had some guys that didn't hit when they needed them to. A.J. Puck, really good young pitcher, had some injury issues. Lazardo, they decided to move on from. But they're now they're back kind of at square one. And the problem for Oakland right now is Texas spent money. And they they're and they're made, like I said, they're, they're probably a year or so from getting into what they feel is their window. The Angels are right smack in their window. They already paid Trout. They already paid Rendon. They've got Shohan, a very friendly deal. They're in it to win it right now. And a lot of their young guys, are, at least from an a offensive perspective, are there. And the pitchers, like a Reed Detmers, are starting to get there. Houston's obviously in the middle of it. <clears throat> Some might say towards the end of the window now that Correa has joined Springer elsewhere. Um, and Garrett Cole has left. But they, they're still turning it over, and Seattle's entering their window. Julio Rodriguez being on the major league roster for opening day is going to be the guy. Uh, and so you've got four teams in that division that are either in their window or entering the window or on the cusp of entering the window, and Oakland's taking a step back. And so um, we look forward to what the next generation of Oakland athletics looks like. Um, but you're starting to see some teams willing to spend the money, you know, here we are, you know, depending on if it's raining in your city or not, you know, we've already had two opening days get banged because of whether the Yankees Red Sox not happening tomorrow. And it looks like Minnesota pushed their opening day back to Friday. Um, but you know, you've got Cleveland throwing, you know, a hundred and I think it was, I think I read $120 million at Jose Ramirez. So it looks like he's going to stay in Cleveland, at least theoretically for now. Um, so the, And they've always been a team that doesn't necessarily pay the guys. So when does Oakland open up the coffers? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa gave $100 million to Wander Franco. Cleveland gave $100-plus million to Jose Ramirez. When does Oakland open up the bag? And do they do they have to wait until they've got a building that will support spending that money? Absolutely. I think and so, yeah. is that building in Vegas? So Sean Murphy's the guy to watch this year. I'm sorry, Oakland. It's going to be a tough year. But the good news is with the rest of that division doing well, uh, you and Pittsburgh can have a staring contest with whomever you think is the number one overall pick. Uh, (laughs) Maybe Andrew Jones, Sutton Drew, who's incredible. Um, But it's going to be a down year for Oakland, obviously, and it's going to be a tough one. But keep an eye on Sean Murphy. He's a fun player. Good stuff. And And he's he's, he's still there. He's still there. We wish him luck. It's beautiful there in the summertime, man. It's not a bad place to be. So, 
Anyway, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, he's still there. The A's are still there, and uh, we'll see what goes on. There we go. I mean, the key players, every team, baby. We nailed them down. Tab, man, a lot of great work into that, brother. I mean, only the goods here at LDR with Tab Bamford. No doubt about it. So with that said, let's get into some predictions right here on Line Drive Radio. And it's great to be able to do that again here on LDR. And, uh, you know, going through these key players and all these teams right now, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be interesting to see how things wrap up. So what do you say? Where do you want to start? Which division? Which league? What, what, what do you say there, Tab? Where do you want to go? So, so we're going to give you who we think are going to win the three divisions. And then we're going to give you uh, not two, but three wildcard teams this year. Because reminder for How many out tab this year? In radio listener land, 12 teams make the playoffs in baseball Woo-hoo. now. So you're going to have three wildcards in each league. Uh, last year, there would have been four playoff teams in the American League East. All three of the wildcards would have come out of the East. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. I, th- I do think more teams are going to feel like they can compete, so it could make for a more interesting trade season when you get into June and July. Um, but wh- why, don't we, why don't we throw it around the American League first, Paul? Uh, and we'll, we'll throw out our three division winners first, and then we'll, we'll dig into who we think those three lucky teams are that sneak into the wildcard conversation. Um, so my three division winners in the American League in the uh, East, I'm going to go with what appears to be chalk right now. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays appear to be the odds-on favorite to win that division. Some people love Tampa. Obviously, the Yankees get a lot of love. The Red Sox get a lot of love. Uh, I, I, when I look at complete rosters, I think Toronto has it in that division. So I think it's going to be a tough division to win. I think it's going to be an incredibly competitive division. But I think the Blue Jays win it. Uh, out west, opposite coast, the west coast is the best coast. I'm taking the Seattle Mariners this year. Mm-hmm. As I said when we were going through things, I think they're going to surprise people, and I think they're going to run away with that division. I think they win it by more than four games. They had a good fun end of the uh, season think, last year, too. Yep, they, they made it interesting, and I think Julio Rodriguez is the goods, and they added Robbie Ray to that, that staff. So I'm taking Seattle, and in the central, I'm going with the White Sox. Even with Lance Lynn missing a couple months, I still think that their lineup is too good. The rest of their pitching staff is solid. Their bullpen is still the best in the division for my money. And so I'm going Toronto, Seattle, and Chicago as the three division winners in the American League. What say you, Paul? All right, I've got the Blue Jays as well. As much as it hoits to say in the East, I'm going to go with the Astros in the West. And I'm going with your Javier Baez. Detroit Tigers this year, baby, in the Central. Shaking things oh, up around here. Special. Oh, yeah. Water in the hat. Go taking it to the Motor City. <laughs> I like it. Bold statement. So there you I go. I like it. All right, so wild cards, Paul. This is where it starts to get into the nitty-gritty, and it starts to get interesting. Um, I am with you. I think the Tigers make the playoffs. I don't think they win the division, but I think they get in. Um. I felt obligated to take a second team out of the American League East, um, at least a second team out of the American League East. Um, so the question becomes, is it Tampa, who look like they're going to go with a five-man rotation? Mm-hmm. Hell hath frozen over. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it the Yankees, uh, who could 
very easily be there. Or is it Boston? I'm actually rolling with the Red Sox yeah. as this as the two seed out of the American League East getting into the playoffs. Uh, and then who? So who's the third? Who who's the bonus baby this year? Who's who's the last one? Um, actually, I'm, I'm changing lanes a little bit on you, Paul. Uh, after lengthy thought uh, and deep dives, uh, I am actually going to say that the third playoff team in the American League is the Angels. What? Uh, I, 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 I think Syndergaard's going to be okay. I think their young pitching is going to get there, uh, which means if my three wildcard teams are Red Sox, Tigers, Angels, the Yankees are out, the Astros are out, mm-hmm. uh, the Rays are out, mm-hmm. the Guardians are out, Wow. the Twins are out. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of conversations at that point. If the Yankees don't even get in the playoffs, you know there might be a grenade going off in that in that clubhouse. Uh, if the Astros don't get in, what are the next steps there? But I'm I, I'm going on the record here: three wild cards in the American League: Red Sox, Tigers, Angels. This year we're gonna get playoff trout. <laughs> oh man! Hey, it would be nice. I'll take it either way, man. It's it's. This is I got to say with the uh, the extra teams now getting in, this is fun. And yeah, I mean, you look at who's going to be left out here. Uh, you know, when it comes playoff time. All right, so I'm gonna. I think the Yankees lineup is going to be good enough to get into the playoffs this year. I'm also going to go with the Red Sox sneaking in too. Not sneaking in. I think they're going to be a good team this year. And I'm going to go with your Chicago White Sox as the last wild card team getting in there. I like it. Hey, look, like we said that East division is really going to come down to health. I think you've got four teams that could very easily be playoff teams and Baltimore is going to keep some people on their toes this year. My concern with having more than two teams coming out of that division is they're going to beat each other up so much that if the Tigers get on a roll, that the bottom of that division isn't there yet. The you're going to have some teams that are going to be able to separate themselves in softer division races. I think, you know, when you look at the West, the Astros are going to be tough. Uh, for me, honestly, I would say I've got Astros Yankees as the seven team. One of those two. Mm-hmm. When I consider the Yankees in that spot, um, they need Garrett Cole to be Garrett Cole the whole season. He can't take a month off to figure out how to throw a breaking ball without the sticky stuff. Um, their bullpen is still solid. Uh, you're right. Their lineup is going to play. Uh, but I think that there's a, there's a massive uh, a dependency on Luis Severino becoming what he was before he got hurt immediately and staying there the whole year. And I, I, I'm, I have big questions about if their starting de- pitching depth is there to get them through a full season. Uh, and like I said, I think that division is going to beat each other up. Uh, I think that the Red Sox lineup is as good as the Yankees, honestly. Um, I think Tampa's lineup is going to surprise people like it always does. Um, which, by the way, Josh Lowe, L-O-W-E, guy to watch. It looks like he's getting the roster spot that was vacated by Austin Meadows being traded to Detroit for those who are doing their uh, fantasy lineups still, uh, possible waiver guy. <laughs> but for, for me with the Yankees, um, you know, I, I wonder about they're not going to get a lot of offense from the catching position. 
You wonder what they're going to get out of Glaber Day. Uh, Aaron Hicks needs to stay in the lineup. Have you seen Agashioka in preseason? He's crushing oh, yeah. the ball, brother. Oh, he is. But <laughs> I also have seen him over you know a couple years here. Um, and I look. I, I he's a he's a he's a that's a huge improvement behind the plate defensively. Yeah. And that's why they were able to move on from Gary Sanchez. But you wonder, like, what the rotation is back there. Um, and then you just you look around and you're like, Aaron Hicks needs to be healthy and an impact player. He's got questions. Rizzo has back concerns. What do they do at first base without him? Uh, Gallo needs to not strike out 300 times. Stanton needs to stay in the lineup. Judge needs to stay in the lineup. I just There's so many questions about their, their depth. And with that division being so good, you know, look, the Red Sox will have Chris Sale back probably in June, I would guess, from the rib issue. He he would, came back last year and looked like Chris Sale down the stretch. If he comes in the middle of the season, that could be the biggest mid-season acquisition or addition to a roster in that entire division. Um, so... That's why I'm leaning on on the Red Sox right now. Matt Barnes, you know, his velocity has been down in spring training, so you wonder about that. But I think the Red Sox just, I, I think overall, I have fewer questions about them than I do about the Yankees. Uh, the Red Sox don't have a Garrett Cole right now, but they will be adding Chris Sale at some point. And I think that the rest of what they have fills out, to me, okay at least. Um, and so I, I just, it's splitting hairs, but I think I'm, I've got more confidence in the Red Sox and your Yankees right now. And I think the other reality is in the bright lights in New York, the longer they're not in a playoff spot, the longer they're not first or second in that division, the hotter the seat gets under Aaron Boone's tail. And that's something else that, we, and Brian Cashman as well. Cash has been answering questions for a couple years now. And if things don't go the way that they are expected to go for the Yankees, your GM and your head coach, your manager are going to feel the heat. And that's cool. And when that's you're totally all right. And, and, and that, and that's a lot. And look, you know, fire can refine or fire can burn. And Cashman has leaned more towards refining than burning. But I think we've reached a point now that it's been long enough since they were a world series team that it, it, it's about time that it might burn somebody. Yeah. And I, I, so that's why I'm going Angels. Uh, and I think the Angels, they don't have, other than Shoei, they don't have an alpha, but I think that they've got young guys that are coming, and I think that they're going to be able to put together enough pitching and with Iglesias at the end of the bullpen and the possibility that they could actually work with a six-man rotation for a bit. Um, I do think that they'll have enough offense in a division, again, with Oakland being – awful um that i i think and i do think the astros take a step back i think if you expect justin verlander to win 20 and throw 210 innings you're an idiot um <laughs> and they don't have a lot of guys in the rotation that are going to throw 180 innings and that that's going to wear on them so for me uh that's why i say and and there are injury issues that are going to affect the astros out of the gate too so i'm going to go angels and go red sox and I think we both love what they've done in Detroit. We love the young guys that are coming. We'll see if Riley Green gets over the foot injury and joins that outfield. Uh, I think that they're taking some pressure off of him with the Meadows trade. So I'm going. That's why I'm going Angels, Tigers, Red Sox. Um, but I'm 
totally owning the fact that uh, it could very easily be the Rays or the Yankees that slide in there and bump either the Angels or the Tigers or the Red Sox out of that conversation. Yeah, and look, it's all good stuff. I don't think anybody making their predictions this year can really go wrong. There's so many great teams that are going to be uh, in the run for it. And so I think as far as the health of baseball and for looking forward to this season, you know, you know, real quick on the Yankees, like all that pressure they have on them. And, uh, you know, if you look at the last four or five years, and this is the year. And, um, you know, we, there's so much we can talk about more on the Yankees. And I know sometimes we kind of tear off on it uh, here, and, and that's okay. And then we do the Cubs and the White Sox because, you know, I'm from New York and Tab's from Chicago. So we're going to do that every, every now and again. But, um, look, all good picks either round. I, I just don't think you can go wrong here uh, with the uh, the quality of the teams that are going to be going for the uh, the titles this year. All right, Tab, let's um, switch it over to the National League now. And you start, take it away here with your uh, division winners, and then we'll do the wild cards. Yeah, so three divisions. Uh, again, going out west, and I feel like it's an easy pick and it's chalk, but I'm going Dodgers. Uh, Kershaw's back. Bueller and Urias are will probably be top five for the Cy Young. The lineup's going to play. Seager walks. They stick Trey Turner, who might be the National League MVP. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, they put him at short. They bring in Freddie Freeman, who could be the National League MVP at first base. It, it, it's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches in L.A., and I think the Dodgers are, once again, even though they're not the defending champs, I think they're still the team with the bullseye on their back in the National League. Uh, in the Central, I'm going to take the Brewers. Nice. I like that team. Uh, I'm not I'm not jumping on up and down for their lineup. Like I said, with Yelich as the guy to watch there, I need to see an MVP Yelich. I need to see more from him. He's got to be healthy and productive. Um, but I think with the addition of the DH in the National League, being able to put Keston Hira bat somewhere in the lineup and take the pressure to find a defensive position for him off helps a lot. And then you got the East. And last year we joked about the East being the least. Um, this year I think the East, you've got a lot of teams that did a lot of really good things in the offseason. I'm going to go with the Phillies winning the National League East this year. I do think Aaron Nola takes a step forward, uh, and I just think the additions of Schwarber and Castellanos to that lineup make it so much deeper. Bryson Stott is going to be a stud. JT Romuto being healthy for a full season, hopefully knock on wood. Um, I mean, that lineup is going to be as good as anyone in the National League, and I think that they've got pitching. So I'm going, my three division winners are Dodgers, Brewers, Phillies. Paulie, who you got? We are all on the same page there, me and you. Same thing. I got Dodgers. I love the Phillies this year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, the Brewers, how, you can't lose that division. I mean, the, the big thing for the Brewers for me is you just got to win in the playoffs, and I don't know if that's going to happen either. But, yeah, we're on the same page there, man. All good the, stuff. The, Bre- the Brewers have, for me, with all due respect to what Clayton Kershaw is for the Dodgers, the Brewers have the best one, two, three of any starting rotation in the National League with Corbin Burns dusting off his Cy Young Award before he leaves home every morning and Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta is the best number three starter maybe in all of baseball. I mean, he's got ace-level stuff, and mm-hmm. their bullpen is and their bullpen plays. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going Brewers there. But I do think the Cardinals are going to be tough. So, we agree. Dodgers, Phillies, Brewers winning the divisions. The wild cards, this is where it gets fun and it gets a little hairy um, because you've got some teams that took a step forward. You've got some teams that took a step back. 
We don't, we don't, I don't think either one of us thinks that the Cubs are going to be as competitive the first half of the season as they have been for the last six or seven years. Um, I don't think either of us expects uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates to do anything. Um, so for those reasons, and, and, you know, when you look at um, what you've got in that central division, you know, when we went through and broke it down team by team, Joe, you know, the Cincinnati Reds felt like the Oakland A's. Joey Votto is the guy to watch because he's the only guy left. Mm-hmm. Now they've got young pitching coming. They've got some young bats. They've got the reigning rookie of the year and Jonathan India. But I think Cincinnati is taking a calculated step back. The Cubs have taken a calculated step back. The Pirates are just kind of hanging out in the, in the basement waiting for somebody to come party. Um, so because that division is so weak, in the bottom 60%. I think the Cardinals, are, for me, feel like an easy wild card pick. But their starting rotation gives me pause. I do think that their lineup is deep enough and they'll be able to do enough in a bad division that they'll get a wild card spot. But I, their, their starting rotation scares the crap out of me and they need Flaherty to come back. Um, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals for one of my wild cards. Uh, the Giants were a great story last year. The Padres have more talent on their roster than maybe anyone, but I'm not taking either of them as a playoff team. I'm going with two from the East. For all of the reasons that I told you that the East was going to beat each other up in the American League and only get two in, I think in the National League, uh, the Braves, the defending champs, I think they're going to be fine. I think that they get back into the playoffs. They're going to have Acuna back, who's a game changer. They've got Matt Olson, who I love. That lineup is still dangerous and deep. Uh, I don't know that uh, that they are going to hang with the Phillies the entire year because I, with Acuna coming back from the injury, and I think that there will be a little bit of a you know an adjustment period to not having Freddie Freeman every day. Um, but I think that the Braves get in, and then I'm actually going to ride with the Mets, um, and I'll probably regret it um, <laughs> because I I do think that there's a lot to be said for the depth of pitching in San Diego. Um, but I, I just, if it, it sounds like Scherzer is going to be okay. It sounds like the hammy thing was just a, a scare. Um, I love their lineup. I think Eduardo Escobar was a brilliant ad. I think Starling Marte is going to be an absolute game changer. I think Francisco Lindor bounces back. I think Pete Alonso has a massive year and you've got an owner that has no problem pulling the trigger on something to help the team. If they need something, you know, that he'll either spend it or he'll trade for it. You, you, this isn't a we need. This isn't the Minnesota Twins needing something for a few years and not making it happen. I think that Steve Cohen has given his front office the job of winning ASAP. And when you've got an owner that's willing to spend the money and willing to s- spend the prospect capital that he needs to get it done, um, I think. And I love Chris Bassett. I think as a number three, he's really good. Not. Freddie Peralta good, but I think he'd be an opening day starter for probably 10 teams. Um, at some point, they get DeGrom back. So kind of like Chris Sale, I think him being added, if he can stay healthy when he gets into the rotation, could be a good thing. And with those two guys not throwing 200 innings like they usually do, maybe they've got some gas left in the tank when you get to October. Uh, same can be said for Lance Lynn. Those three guys, if they come back and they're healthy when they return to the lineup, the fact that they're going to take the first couple months off probably 
maybe that helps them have more more gas in the tank when you get to the postseason. But uh, so I'm going Mets, Braves, Cardinals uh, as my National League wild cards. Paul, who you got? Uh, great, all great picks and uh, all great analogies there. Um, we're on the same page with the Mets and the Braves uh, as far as the, uh, the wild card there. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take uh, Joey Bart's Giants. You know, I, I have to go. I have to believe that uh, I don't, the Giants were just so damn good last year. I have to believe that's that's just a good damn team there in San Francisco, and I just I can't I couldn't not have them in the playoffs. So um, that's why yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I mean the that, that, that's a team that I look at and I'm like, okay, so Posey's gone, and he had a great year last year. Kevin Gossman was their ace; he's gone. So you know, is Logan Webb going to be able to fully replace that, and who steps into the void there? Is Carlos Rodon going to be in the rotation what Gossman was last year? It's a nice signing. He had a great first half of the season last year, but he ran out of gas. Um, and then I, I, they don't have the guy that they had playing third base left field for the last couple months, Chris Bryant. Um, and I just, I, I, for me, I think my my seventh team, the team that just barely misses, is the Padres. Um, and if the Degrom situation becomes a full season problem for the Mets. Uh, and if Scherzer misses any kind of time, I could see the Padres being the sixth team in the wild card. Absolutely, man. So, it's kind of so insane that me, we don't even have them in there. You can't get them yeah. in, you know? Yeah. So for me, and and look, you know, I think with where the Diamondbacks are at in that division, I think the Rockies will be a little bit more competitive. Um, so I, I don't think that that's going to help them much. But I, I just, I like I like the Mets lineup with where they're starting uh, and coming back from a hand injury is never easy. And that worries me a little bit about Tatis. Um, so I I think if I was going to go with a team that could slide in at the bottom of the playoffs in, in the two leagues, I would say Padres-Yankees. Uh, but I'm not having them in right now. I'm, I'm, and you don't have the Cardinals, Paulie. No, I don't. What What's the uh, – what, what, what do you not like about St. Louis? Um – I don't think it's a matter. I mean, of my, my my pause is the pitching. Yeah, my, well, I, I without Jack Flaherty, it it you look at that rotation and you're like, okay, you're like where where are all the innings going to come from here? Well, let me let me let me with most of my picks here, and, and I'm just more familiar with it on my end. I'm looking at the batting lineups of these teams, you know. So that's where more of my f- familiarity is, and that's where more of my heart is leaning towards. You know, picking teams. You know, to me, like the Phillies, just the guys that they've added to that lineup just change everything. No matter you know, even what the Braves have done, and you know, the Mets are the Mets. I mean, yeah, they've got all these guys in there and stuff. And I think on the Mets side, if if the if those guys don't turn out this year, and and then all the bats that they have, I mean, it's just it's all about sinking, right? It's all going to match up. You know, mm-hmm. um, for me, the the Cardinals, uh, you know. I'm. I'll be quite honest with you. Like I said, I'm not as familiar with them as I'd like to be, and I just compared against the other teams. I just think you know that's where you got to go. And with both Eastern divisions in both leagues right now, I just think they're powerhouses. And powerhouse is a word that you reflect towards the batting lineup, the guys that are in there and going to play ball. And that's where I guess where I'm leaning towards. And I just don't think St. Louis can match up 
against some of the other teams here that, you know, we're all picking here to get in. And it's crazy. And, like, you know, why is why are we not putting the Padres in there? Even with Tatis out, you know, they still got a good, decent lineup up and down. But he's a huge factor. So, to me, that the weakness there is it's not even so much the pitching. It's the fact that he's not going to be there in the beginning. And who knows if he'll ever be the same as he was last year. Right. So, for me, I'm leaning more towards power in the lineup, the hitting, um, and that's kind of where I lean in terms of uh, making my decisions here. And and maybe with the only exception probably being the Brewers, that maybe they're probably going to have just a stronger pitching staff and, and that division is, um, you know, it's just bad. not strong, you know? So yeah, I bad. think it's going to be a repeat of last year's. And you got to remember the Cardinals went on an amazing kind of run there, sort of similar to what the Giants did a little bit. And it's going to be hard for them to kind of duplicate that. Yeah, that run that they went on that, you know, and they fired the they fired the the coach too, right? So yeah, I yeah, mean they, it's they, it's, they, it's they, big change. The, the 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 Schilt move raised a lot of eyebrows, so that's a, that's a good point. And look, I think for me, St. Louis and Houston are basically the same team. Wainwright and Verlander, how much are you really going to get from them as your number one? And do they have the durability in the rest of their rotation to do it? Um, I've got the Cardinals in and the Astros out because I think the rest of the American League West is going to be better than the rest of the National League Central. Um, and I, I think I'm, I'm totally with you on San Diego, um, and I love San Francisco still. Um, I think that that division is going to beat each other up yeah. just enough. Absolutely, yep. And, I mean, look, you're you're absolutely right, like, Everybody, I think last year on our preview show, we said the Giants were going to be the bottom feeders with Arizona, and then they went out 108. So who are we to, you know, tell them that they can't? Um, but I feel like the juju that they had last year, with the departure of Buster Posey, and trying to live up to that again, um, that's that's a that's a big ask. And with the the arms coming back in San Diego, it's really hard to keep them out. Um, and I think that they're going to have some really good knockdown drag out series with San Francisco. I so, think there's, an, there's more reasons to have real quick to interrupt that the, the Giants have a really good chance to get in there, there too. And that's the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Cubs and the Pirates. So those teams, they're they're not I don't think they're going to get a sniff. So that that just moves the Giants up. And if they can just stay close and, and run a good season and run a good, you know, uh, campaign here. And they stay healthy, and then you watch all the. There's more pressure on the other teams too, as far as the Dodgers are concerned, and even yeah. the Padres themselves, and and, yeah. and Milwaukee, and then obviously, yeah. The, I mean, the if the Mets struggle, and they struggled last year, obviously there's some major new pieces in there and stuff. But yeah. any pressure hits on those teams, you know. I think the Giants are there. You know, like I said, we'll we'll wait and see what happens. But yeah, yeah, and Bob Melvin moving from Oakland to. San Diego is such a huge game changer for the Padres as a manager. They've got one of, if not the best managers in baseball now. And so, um, so I, I think, I think we're both recognizing that the Padres, we're not sleeping on the Padres, no. but we're just leaning in a different direction. So I've got Braves, Cardinals, Mets, you've got Braves, Mets, Giants in the wild cards. Paul, I'm going to have you, uh, take the lead here, uh, as we are now, depending on the rain situation in your city, maybe a day from the first ball of the 2022 regular season being thrown, uh, let's let's take out, uh, let's rip a twig off of a tree and go find some 
fresh concrete and put this thing down. Who you got in the World Series? Who do you have winning the American and National Leagues? Well, I'm, I'm going with my heart on these, and, and, and I don't think I'm going way down in the limb, but, you know, what the hell? These are predictions. So much going to happen. But I, I love, you know, it's a whole Yankee thing here, but I love Joe Girardi. I love what the Phillies have done. I love, I, you know, and, and that's probably towards as far as the National League, as far as my angst towards the Mets, my angst towards the Braves. I would just love to see Joe Girardi and the Phillies just, have a phenomenal season and be there in the end and just shock the world. The same way the Braves basically shocked the world last year. Yeah. And let's put it that way. So what the hell? Um, you know, Schwarber, Hoskins, um, Casalanos, Harper. I mean, Didi, I, who I love. Just so many guys, you know, and, you know, Brian Stoughton there too as well. And you bring up Nola and stuff. I mean, I just there's so much personality on this team. And Girardi is familiar because of the great stars that he managed in New York, he's kind of got a great lineup that I think Girardi can finally work with, and we'll see what happens. So I'm just going to ride the fun of the Phillies and and go all the way, and, and like I said, I hope they break uh, Mets and 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 Braves hearts and everybody else in the National League. So there's my uh, my Phillies take. And you know what? Yeah, I did it last year. I Again, what the hell? I'm going with the Yanks again to get into the World Series. And I'm going to take Donaldson's 73 runs from last year into the lineup. I'm going to take um, Falefa's 74 runs coming into the lineup this year. I think uh, Voigt, uh, Ursula, and Stanton out of the clubhouse. It takes just a, a huge amount of stuff, uh, drama, out of the Yankees' clubhouse. Guys looking over their shoulders. I think Gallo and Rizzo settling in into the pinstripes now in that lineup. You know, with Judge, with Lamejo, with Stanton, even throw Torres in there. You know, Hicks, Gashioka. If he has a phenomenal season on the bat, if he just comes in on the uh, on base percentage and 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 hitting the ball out of the park every now and again, I think the Yankees have a a hell of enough. Again, I'm leaning towards the batting lineup here. I think they have a more, this is probably the best balanced lineup that they've had in a long time to compliment the big bombers, the crushers, and as far as Stanton and, um, you know, Judge are concerned here. And I think Boone is a good manager. I don't care what anybody says. Look at the wins he's put up. 90-win seasons here. Um, and, yeah, and I'll take everything that you said before about Cashman and Boone and the pressure in the hot seat. If the Yankees suck, if they tank this year, then fine. Burn it all down, whatever. But I don't think this lineup, I don't think the personality here, and I think Gallo and Rizzo got such a short amount of time last year. And it was major moves for them to come from those teams and then to come here to the Yankees. I think the Yankees just have a really, if they stay healthy, and with Cole and this lineup, and, you know, you brought it up here before too, Severino, uh, Italian, all these guys, if they just somehow find a way to pitch well, uh, Cortez, the rest of these guys, and if Chapman can stay healthy and everything else, I think the Yankees can do it this year. And that's all I'm going to say. And I, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says to me. If y'all, you're out of your mind. And I know there's just an incredible amount of talent in the division and not only in the whole uh, American League here. But I think the Yankees, I think this is it. I think this is it. Put away all the complaining, the wine and the Astros, all that stuff, and put it all behind. And this is the year. And you know what? If it doesn't happen, if it doesn't work out, we'll see if Judge gets signed, whatever happens with the money and stuff then yes, next year, if, if Boone's got to go, if he doesn't manage well this year, and if, if Cashman doesn't make any, you know, 
if he can or can't make any additions here um, at the trading deadline, fine. As a Yankee fan, I'm good. I can live with it. We move forward and we rebuild or whatever the heck we got to do. But I think the moves that they made is maybe as much about Donaldson and IKF and, and letting Voigt or Charlotte and Stanton go. I think we'll, it just the clubhouse is going to be totally different. These guys in this lineup know right now this is it. There's no questions. Voigt's not on the bench. Is he going to come in? There's nobody looking over their shoulders. And I just think the Yankees are going to have a great and we, season. And we punted on the Gary Sanchez debacle. Yes, we're, exactly. We're it's, again, it's Gary done. So, uh, yeah. and then I'm just lastly, I'll just uh, I'll take the Yanks in a in a in a, an exciting Girardi versus Boone World Series, and Boone wins it. Oh. They have the parade in the Canyon of Heroes, and uh, we ride Holy off into the, the sunset. Tabloids would love. <laughs> The tabloids would love Joe Girardi man. Absolutely. The World I'm writing a movie. I'm what writing a field day. <laughs> and, and look, Paul, I think you and I are representative of most people when most baseball fans, when they look at and consider the Yankees this year. You've got them winning the whole damn thing. I don't even have them making the playoffs. It doesn't feel like there's a middle ground with the Yankees right now, does it? No, not at all. There isn't a you know, get a wild card and lose in the divisional round. It doesn't feel like that exists. It's unacceptable frankly, for the Yankees. It's win or nothing. Right. <laughs> right. And you know what? Look, Cashman has said it. It's World Series or bust. He put that on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I went with the heartstrings and said White Sox in the World Series. I've got some concerns about Lance Lynn. Um, I think that their lineup is going to play. Uh, I think that the Mariners lineup is going to be dangerous. Like I said, I'm full-on man crush on Julio Rodriguez. Um, so I think that the, the postseason in the American League is going to be incredible. Um, if you get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani into the playoffs, game changer. I mean, TV ratings are going to... If if you can get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani playing a playoff series in Boston, forget it, right? Yeah, man. This there's a whole taking, lot taking, of great scripts here to write out. I'm not I'm not taking any of them to, to win the American League. I'm taking Toronto. Uh, and the reason that I'm taking not a bad Toronto choice. I mean, you you talk about their lineup. And and when you talk about being able to score runs, Matt Chapman is probably a 35 homer guy. He's a platinum glove guy, and he's gonna bat seventh, probably, in that lineup. You know, Vladdy Guerrero is a transcendent bat. Bo Bichette is one of probably the three best, if not the best, offensive shortstop in baseball, and he's going to have the pressure defensively off because of Chapman hitting next to him. Um, You look around their outfield, George Springer being healthy for a whole year is a game changer because he's a 35-homer leadoff guy. I mean, they've got eight or nine guys in that lineup who are going to be able to do Monsters. Damage, and then they've got yep. a bench that works. I love their rotation. I know Robbie Ray's gone. The Gossman ad is solid. I like their bullpen, and I just think when you get into the postseason, I like their pitching depth more right now, really, than even the White Sox and the Mariners who took Robbie Ray away from them. And so I'm going with Toronto to win the American League, uh, and I'm going with the Dodgers in the National League. I know that the Trevor Bauer thing is going to be a huge cloud over that team um i love walker bueller i've loved walker bueller for a number of years i love julio urias i think that the way that they've developed him you can look around the majors and say why the hell doesn't everybody do what they did with urias 
they let him be a dominant force out of the bullpen for a few years coming back from an injury, and now he looks like, again, that elite number three star type. I think Milwaukee's pitching is going to make him dangerous. Everything you said about Philly is absolutely spot on. Um, but when the Dodgers have been as good as they've been for as long as they've been that good, and they add Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. and they, I, to me, upgrade from World Series MVP Corey Seager to Trey Turner at short. Um, they do. I will say this: they need Cody Bellinger to do anything. And in spring training, the only thing he did was strike out. Yeah, he's been an abomination, and I think he's on the cusp of losing a job, which is insane to think about where he was a couple years ago when he and Yelich were fighting for the MVP, and he has just completely fallen off the map. But I think the rest of that. It, look, the Freddie Freeman ad takes all of the pressure off Bellinger to do anything, and so. Uh, I like the Dodgers and Blue Jays to be your World Series. So pick your favorite shade of blue and wear it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna say, uh, for the first time in 30 years, I believe it's been uh, the uh, Touch 'Em All Joe. It'll be Touch 'Em All Vladdy. Nice. <laughs> this time around, uh, and the uh, the Commissioner's Trophy, or as the Commissioner referred to it, the chunk of metal. Um, <laughs> The World Series trophy will be handed to the Toronto Blue Jays, who let's not take for granted that they are playing at home with a packed house for the first time in two years. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has not had a home opening day yet. He hasn't had a normal one in three years. Uh, and now it's now they're loaded for bear. And they are good offensively, defensively. Lord Escurial Jr. is a freak talent. I could see him driving in 100 this year. I hope he does because I drafted him on both of my fantasy teams. Um, but I think the, the fact that the Blue Jays are going to be able to play at home in Toronto with a packed house, with a loaded for bear lineup, uh, and they're going to look, they're going to be tested, right? We talked about the East. We both love the American League and National League East divisions this year. Top to bottom, they're great. Uh, well, maybe not the absolute bottom, but <laughs> both of those divisions is probably going to be at least three, if not four teams deep. The Blue Jays are going to be tested. If they win the division, I think that they're going to have enough battle scars from the regular season to make it through the postseason, and I think that they raise the championship trophy. Look at you giving the Canucks a championship. And, oh, my, if the Leafs don't win it this year and the Blue Jays have the parade, woo! Paul, of course Canada's going to get a World Series before a Stanley Cup. (laughs) Of course they are. Again, we are writing movie scripts here, ladies and gentlemen, LDR. Yeah. This is what we want. You know, jot this stuff down. Make the movies. Wow. Great stuff. Hey, look. And, 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 and speaking of hockey, who's throwing out the first pitch at Wrigley Field on Friday? Marion Hosa. Marion, nice. Who is signing a one-day contract on Thursday to retire a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Mind you, he signed a one-day contract, not a one-year contract to retire a Cardinal like Albert Pujols <laughs> A tale of two leagues, and they are very, very different. Well, there you have it, folks. The predictions are in. I have copies here, notes, and we. Will... Will, and 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 we're gonna we'll play these back for everybody when we get to the All Star break, so that you can call our bluff. <laughs> um, but but uh, Paul, let, let's uh, let, let's finish up our our season preview show. If you're still listening, God bless you. Thank you. Uh, hopefully you didn't need to stop and, you know, take an intermission break. We're kind of going dances with wolves here. But there's a lot to talk about. Uh, let, let's talk about some individual award predictions. I'm ready for it. Uh, 
So who do you have for the MVPs of the American and National League? All right, let's see. Well, uh, I have... See, now you usually go first, but since I'm going to go first here, and, and I have your notes, and you don't have mine, so I, I'm with you on your selection of the AL MVP, and that's old King Vladdy, man. I'm with you right there. Yep. I think consensus there is that he uh, he probably could have, should have won it last year, but Shohei was just so good. Uh, so I'm with you on that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, American League MVP in 22. Agreed. National. Chris Bryant of the Colorado Rockies because as wow. far because as far as I'm concerned he has to be he has to be the MVP <laughs> this year for that franchise. Why not? I'm shaking it up. Go ahead. Who do you got? Hey, that's a bold statement. I'm going to go with a name that makes sense, <laughs> but when you consider the reality, uh, it's pretty bold. Uh, I'm going to say Juan Soto is the National League MVP this year. I like it and. Here, here's the here's the crazy reality when you think about that. We talked about the National League East and how good they are, right? We haven't talked a lot about the Marlins, but I think that that team's going to screw a lot of people. The Phillies, Mets, Braves, I think. We've got three teams in the playoffs there, which means that that entire division top to bottom is going to be a juggernaut. Juan Soto will join Andre Dawson of the 1987 Cubs as an MVP from a last place team. Mm. I like it. See, I'm like, you know, he's such so a f- I, phenomenal player, though, man. Even though I'm down in the Nationals, I think Juan so I, I think he's going to his numbers are going to be ridiculous. I think Nelson Cruz behind him makes that lineup at least a little interesting. Um, but the top of that division is just so freaking good. Uh, so I'm going to say Juan Soto pulls in Andre Dawson. I'm not sure that we'll start calling Juan the Hawk. Um, but uh, Juan Soto is the National League MVP from a last-place Washington Nationals team. All right. I like it. Uh, I'm going to throw myself under the bus. Let's go rookies of the year here before we talk Cy Young. Okay. Uh, I, sent, I sent you notes, and I'm actually going to scramble it again. Oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm changing it up. American League, uh, initially I was leaning Spencer Torkelson, but – at that time, I wasn't completely confident that Julio Rodriguez would make the opening day roster for the Mariners. Uh, since I, I put my notes together, it, he's getting the jump. Uh, I'm going to Rodriguez because, like I said, he's in that, uh, you know, Soto, Tatis, Acuna-level freakish ability. So I'm going to say Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners gets the ROI in the American League. And Bryson Stott who might bump Alec Bohm out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might bump Didi out of the lineup uh, <gasps> with the Philadelphia <gasps> Phillies. Uh, I'm going Bryson Stott as the National League Rookie of the Year from Philadelphia. So Julio Rodriguez in Seattle, Bryson Stott in Philadelphia uh, are my two rookies of the year, though I do think Torkelson is going to make that a conversation. Who you got? All right, those are two great picks, two great players. All right, here you go, American League Rookie of the Year, and I'm going to tell you, folks, I, I don't I don't BS about, you know, uh, being a know-it-all guy. Ted's a smart guy here. So for American League Rookie of the Year, hopefully on the active roster and taking over at first base for your Kansas City Royals, Nick Prado, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Last year in the minors. Oh. Tied for second with 36 homers and 98 RBIs, hopefully taking over for Mr. Carlos Santana in KC, baby. What do you think of that? Bull. I mean, I, I think most people, if they were, you know, going to Vegas, if they're going to take a rookie of the year from Kansas City, it would be Bobby Wood Jr. But <laughs> Prado, Prado's legit. 
Uh, and I think if, if he and Witt both play, that division becomes a little bit harder. Uh, and so it, it's a bold statement. I might throw a couple pennies on that myself um, because I think a lot of people's eyes are going to be on Kansas City because of Bobby Witt, and that opens the door for somebody else to jump out and, and look good. I think Stott, uh, I think Prado, Witt, Torkelson, Rodriguez, uh, you're going to have lots of guys vying for it in the American League, and I love that a lot of these guys are getting the jump on the opening day roster instead of waiting two weeks to figure out who the who could be the guy. So uh, so you're going to Kansas City with your rookie of the year, but not with Bobby Witt Jr., uh, and I'm sticking with my uh, pick, of the, pick of the year. I'm on the bandwagon. Uh, I'm staying in Seattle with Julio Rodriguez. What do you got in the National League? Paul? National League, I'm going to your hometown, baby. Chicago Cubs, center field from Arakawa, Japan. Seiya Suzuki. 17 at bats so later. far. Yeah, let's. Time he hits a home run. <laughs> He's got two home runs in preseason. It's all right, man. It'll be okay. It's going to be all right, hey, man. I like it. I, like I love it. Seiya. I think um, I was just watching some highlights of him, and, you know, there's, uh, there's a great. Uh, a uh, little piece that I saw as far as it's, you know, the difficulties of, uh, not difficulties, but, you know, you know, as far as Asian, Korean, J- Japanese players coming over here and, and getting long-term contracts and having success and everything like that. But I think, um, I think Say is going to have some, uh, some fun this year, and I think he's going to be kind of good. Um, and why not, right? Uh, I think it'd be, a, again, I'm writing movie scripts here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, not, not a lot of pressure. He's going to be in the lineup every day. Exactly. It's a good bet. So there you go. Say a Suzuki, baby. I might even get the sweater. I didn't get the jersey there, buddy. I like it. And and you know uh, and you know what they're gonna you know, who's the uh, the Cubs TV or radio announcer? I mean, that's gonna be just a great oh, call when he knocks one out of the ballpark. Already all over it. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> now Boog Shambi does the TV stuff. He'll be all over that. Absolutely well. And Pat Hughes is a legend. So yeah, they'll be all over that. Um, and I like it. I I do think he finished it. I I would have had him probably second or third in the National League. Uh, I love O'Neill Cruz. Again, I, I brought him up in Pittsburgh, but they're stupid, and he's going to start in the minors. So. And an honorable, um, honorable mention everybody for... Everybody uh, else is in the majors. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And an honorable mention for me for Joey Bart out in Fresco. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. I actually drafted him on both of my fantasy teams because I think he's ready to do the thing. Let's talk Cy Youngs, Paul. Let's wrap this show up here, put a bow on it with the best pitchers in both leagues. You will be happy. Um, even though I don't have them in the World Series or winning it or even in the playoffs. I'm taking Garrett Cole um, because I think he's an alpha. And with so many other injuries affecting pitching staffs right now and so many of the other guys who would be in that conversation, like Shane Bieber, um, with the the Blue Jays having a bunch of good guys but not really a guy that stands out, uh, with Robbie Ray making the move to Seattle, can he repeat or does he take a step back? With Lance Lynn being down – Giolito could step up, um, but for me, Shohei could be in the conversation as well. Um, but for me, Garrett Cole—he's uh, an alpha. He's a—he's a one A. Uh, right now, I think he's the best healthy pitcher in the American League. So I'm going Garrett Cole. National League, it's for—it's wide open. I Your think. boy. With the, with the Grom being hurt, to start the year, um, with Scherzer, you know being 1A, 1B with the ground when they're both healthy. They, there's an opportunity for them to split votes. Corbin Burns, you got three guys in Milwaukee who could win it. you got Wheeler in Philly who could win it. Freed in Atlanta could win it. Uh, but I'm going with my guy, the guy that I picked last year, the guy that I pick every year, and he, he pitches well enough to win it. 
But I think this is the year that Walker Buehler gets it done with the Dodgers. Uh, I think he is – now is the time for him to be 1A without question in Los Angeles. And with the Dodgers being as good as they are, I think the wins pile up. I think that the the body of work is there at the end of the season for Walker Buehler to be the National League Cy Young Award winner. And if they end up with the best record in the National League, which I think they will, uh, I think it'll be really hard to overlook him. So I'm going Garrett Cole, Walker Buehler for the Cy. Who you got? All right. I um, Thanks for the Yankee love there. As little as we got this year from you. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, I'm going to refer to covers.com here. And uh, with uh, right behind Jared Cole, as far as best odds for the Cy Young, is your Cleveland Guardians, Shane Bieber, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna go going with, with the Biebs. Going with the Biebs, baby. All right. All right. What the hell? Um, and then over in the National, I had to calm down, and I'm not happy with this because it's already happening again with the injuries and the curse of the Mets and everything else. So I, I don't know. Maybe, um, you know, if, if it's not the Grom, um, I don't know. Somebody off that freaking Phillies lineup, I don't know. <laughs> you, you're going to go Wheeler? Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, cause, uh, it just it, it pains me, you know, because, you know, you pull for a guy like DeGrom because you just you hate seeing it because he's so damn talented. Yeah, and you know, with his decision now, what to with his contract, he's gonna he's gonna opt out of re-signing or doing anything. He's gonna play this year out or whatever. And um, it's just amazing how good this guy is when he's healthy, and just not to get to see this guy go from, you know, opening day to closing day, and, and you know, and it's just happening again with him with the injuries. And I, you well, know, look, Paul, Paul, we've seen crazier things. Uh, I believe Rick Sutcliffe won it in 84 after he was traded to the Cubs midseason um, from Cleveland, uh, Biebs. Um, if he comes off of the injured list in June and pitches three months like he did the first three months last year and puts up video game numbers that we haven't seen since Pedro Martinez, there's nothing to say DeGrom can't still win it. I mean, look, so many other guys are banged up. I think, you know, look, I, a couple guys that I wouldn't sleep on for the National League so young, but we're throwing some names out there to keep in mind. You Darvish in San Diego, um, I would keep him in mind. I, all three guys in Milwaukee, I think Freddie Peralta could have a transcendent season pitching third. Again, I think he's the best number three starter probably in all of baseball. Uh, Julio Urias could steal votes from Walker Buehler and cost me that one this year as well. Um, and you're right. Like, look, Zach Wheeler is the ace in Philly for all the reasons that I gave Walker Bueller. I think the same could be said for him. Um, but you know, I don't, DeGrom is a bit of a dark horse right now just because of the injury issue. But if he comes off the injured list in June and throws like he did for the first three months last year, there's nothing to say that he couldn't steal it. Um, and I'm going to throw two, two names out there for the Cy Young award, um, that, are unconventional, but I could totally see it happening. Liam Hendricks with the Chicago White Sox. Closers don't usually get Cy Young consideration, but he is dominant, and that's going to be a good team. And if he goes Eckersley this year, I could see him getting some votes for the Cy Young Award as a closer. Um, and then uh, I, 
I love the Dodgers pitching staff top to bottom. Um, I, if he looks like he did with the Cubs last year when he was there, uh, Craig Kimbrell could lead the National League in saves pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a guy that I think could be in that conversation. But the dark horse for me in the National League, Logan Webb with your San Francisco Giants. Um, so two names off the board that I, I would say if you're if you're looking to throw a couple dollars on something and look for a fat payout down the road, uh, Liam Hendricks, the closer with the White Sox for American League Cy Young and Logan Webb, your opening day starter for the Giants could be a couple dark horses. I'm not picking them. I might throw a couple dollars on Hendricks now that I think about it a little. But uh, but yeah. So are you are you gonna stick to Grom? You gonna go Zach Wheeler? You gonna go undecided? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Degrom, just because I, I'm you know I'm pulling for him. I mean he's the only guy on the Mets I like. So he's just you know he's just such a great talent. I just hope he he can recover here and, and and have a great season. And I think um I think he has to be somewhat. There's a lot of um. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, there's there's a lot for him to maybe. There's a couple of things here. Obviously, a super lineup, right? And yep. because of this year and how he wants to to uh, play it out with regards to uh, his next contract, you know, he's going to want to get up there and, and probably just smoke everybody that comes up to face it's him. It's a money year. That's a, yeah. That's a big motivator. Exactly. So I think um, if this guy stays healthy, he's part of a really damn good team, and he's got the. Um, incentive now to really kind of jack things up. I mean, how can DeGrom jack things up any more than he has in his career? But watch him. I mean, because you might see flames coming off the ball when he throws him, when he gets healthy and comes back this year. So I'm going to stick with him for the hell of it. What the hell? I like it. Well, folks, thank you for joining Line Drive Radio's marathon opening of the 2022 regular season. Paul and I are thrilled that we are getting back into the saddle. We haven't seen our families in days (laughs) recording this episode. (laughs) No, uh, we actually took a a nap break uh, and ordered out uh, coffee to get us through it. Hopefully you didn't need too many bathroom breaks, but um, feel free to to tweet at us. Hold us accountable for our picks. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell us who your picks to click are on your favorite team. You know where to find us on social. Uh, and Paul, since the minor league season has already started, as I did last year, uh, I'm going to encourage folks to go support their minor league teams, minor league players, because that's where the next generation is. And now that the weather's starting to change, get outside and throw a ball with the kids. Absolutely. Already doing that. Wish best of luck to your kid and his team, his little league team, uh, his squad going forward. And I'm looking forward to my little guy. It looks like his game's going to get rained out tomorrow. So his season is still uh, on deck here, but um, and also I agree with you, man. Support the minor league teams, uh, your local baseball squads too. Me and my entertainment company will be heading down to Lakewood, Jersey, to do a show with the uh, the Lakewood Blue Claws, and we're gonna nice. be in Brooklyn, baby, this year, hanging out with the Brooklyn Cyclones. So, uh, oh, it's gonna be go. a lot of fun. So, uh, great stuff. But hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Tab, amazing stuff as always. Excited, we're just getting started. Play ball, everybody. Enjoy the games. We're gonna put the locks on the doors here, close the concession but we will be back. Woo! With a season underway here on LDR. Be safe, everybody. We're out. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.